Welcome to the podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Turning Stage Podcast for E3 2021. This is our final day of coverage. Thank God. This has been an interesting E3. I'm excited to be done. But we have a packed and exciting show. Finally, we have something actually exciting to talk about. But we have two, <laughs> we have two guests with us today, but joining me as always is my wonderful sus imposter Amogus. Trying to bring that back, it's John. And now I'm not sus. We we confirm it's Corey. It's why he's done. We throw him out the shit. That's true. It's true. And then we have our two wonderful guests from the Toonami Faithful podcast. It is none other, none other than our good friend Sketch. Sketch, thanks for joining us again. Happy to be here to talk about stupid Nintendo games. <laughs> Thank you. Now I have to normalize that audio. <laughs> you also definitely have to watch Scott DeWaz's 100th episode. If you oh, not. you bet. Yeah, it's really great. 200. I, oh, 200. I 200. I mean, oh, yes, yes. I watch Scott's videos every once in a while, but I'm not like, I'm not like an obsessive viewer. Like if he pops up on my feed, I will watch Scott's videos. And it's funny because Scott is actually from where I live. So oh, no way. it's kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, but also joining us from the Dallas Anime Meetup podcast, it's Nick. Nick, thanks for joining Hello. us. Yeah, definitely. Glad to be here. Uh, yeah, glad to have you. Big fan of certain Nintendo games and other ones. They just keep breaking my heart every year. But anyway, yeah, we, we'll get to that. Code and song. Broken Heart is the eternal status of a Nintendo fan. <laughs> it may as well be, pretty much. Well, I'm I'm brokenhearted that there was no sign of life for 3D Mario, but we will get to that. Or the monkeys. There were some monkeys, though, just of a different kind. So, we're here today, we're gathered here today to talk about the Nintendo Direct, which aired earlier today, which was followed by three hours of Treehouse footage. Let's just get right into it. The Direct opened with a brand new fighter coming to Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. And it is finally the second Bandai Namco rep. It's not Heihachi, it's not Lloyd, but it's Kazuya from the Tekken franchise. We got a brief teaser trailer, a little bit of a look at his moveset. But Masahiro Sakurai will present the full information on the character, including its launch date, on June 28th. John, I want to start with you. You're yeah. a big fighting game guy. What did you think of the reveal of Kazuya from Tekken? I'll, I'll give you my exact reaction as it was. 
I saw a cliff, so I immediately knew it was Tekken. Because mm-hmm. you're, th- you're always throwing someone off a cliff if it's Tekken. <laughs> it was just who it was going to be, to which uh, my mind always goes, Heihachi, I'm ready to see him. I-, I want to see an old man beating these young little characters' asses and throwing them off cliffs. But instead, it's Kazuya, to which I went, yeah, uh, okay, sure. And as the trailer went on, and you saw, as you said, the move set, uh, they're staying faithful. It's it's every fighting game character has had the most work put to them than anyone. Like the only other character that has more work put to them is Minecraft. That needed its own whole system for that. Yeah. But it seems to be the same here for Kazuya. So it's it's nice to see. It, yeah, it respects it's cool. the fighting game characters quite a bit. It's not another anime sword fighter, so all the Smash fans don't have to cry a river today. We're, I'm really happy about that one. Yes. Um, Nick, you and I talked a bit yesterday about the Bondi Namco rep. Were you expecting a Tekken character? Yeah, this, I gotta say, um, from everything I've been seeing online and everything, too, this did definitely come out of left field. Because um, we, there's been some theories, some things going on. Uh, we were talking about how Lloyd is the last me fighter costume mm-hmm. that has not come to ultimate yet um and so some people are like hey that seems kind of suspicious especially uh when pyra and mithra were announced like that seemed like the perfect time they used two swords he uses two swords you know throw, throw him in there but now it, yeah it makes more sense than to if they are going to toss in that me fighter costume and also I wonder what other uh costumes will get added i know that's maybe not the most exciting part of the character uh reveals but I are guess you we'll sure? be finding out soon. I mean, I they did add Sans. The most exciting. <laughs> <laughs> they they did add, add Sans Undertale, so I mean, you, you never know. What's what's and Vault Boy, uh, these last couple of rounds, so you never know. It's going to be uh, revealed by the Madman Sakurai. Did they um, ever add Klonoa as a Mii Fighter costume? I no. feel like it would make sense, but I don't remember. I don't think I've ever seen him. Like Knights. <laughs> two maybe coming up uh but yeah another um i guess theorized uh bandai character would have been i believe ryu from uh ninja gaiden was it ryu or... well that's that's koei tecmo yeah that's, oh, that's oh, not bamco okay. i get my series confused sometimes so yeah so not not him but yeah i think he's still on the the list then of potential final characters that could be anime swords fighters that uh, we do have a lot of those already. That would be, a, I think that would be a really bad way to end off the Fighters Pass. Uh, mm. Not the worst way, though. I don't know, I don't, would it get me excited? I, I think they're going to end on a big character, like a big character. Well, that's going to get people riled up. Maybe. I'm thinking Master Chief. I think maybe it's his time. We, we got Halo Infinite. I'll, we got the, the multiplayer, but... I don't know. So far it, in the history of Smash, it's almost always like the last character they reveal is kind of a letdown. <laughs> yep. We got Byleth and who was the other one at the end of Pre pre DLC mm. Ultimate was Incineroar, wasn't it? Ken and yeah. Incineroar at the Ken, same time. At the same time. Yeah. And then the plant. The plant. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And then, of course, with the DLC for the prior game, some would say Bayonetta was the last reveal, but we all know the real one was Corrin. Eh. 
whatever. Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. That, like, porn was just no one really wanted it. This it was is, right around the time his Fates was coming out, and it was just like too many Fire Emblem already. Yeah, that was. That, they keep making the same mistake with the Fire Emblem reps. I love Fire Emblem. I'm happy that Byleth is playable. But the way they reveal them and the timing is always just so yeah. bad. It's like, Sakurai, bless you. I know you love Fire Emblem, but man, there's a time for these things and you, you never quite got it right. You never quite got it right. So a pretty well-known smash leaker Virgiben posted on Reddit today with the following post, Cortana, tell me who's coming to Smash. And the answer, asking's not my strong suit. A little poetic, a little rhyme. Maybe hinting towards a certain green Spartan. Hmm. That'd be pretty cool. That'd be a very nice way to end off the um, the game, if you ask me. I either either Master Chief or Doom Slayer would be a great way to cap things off. Both Microsofts now. Yeah, both Microsoft Ooh. now. I mean, so I'm you... a, a little hesitant that Microsoft will get a third rep, but I don't know. It took this long for Namco to get two. Yeah, so I which mean, it's I... good. I'm glad Namco finally got a second rep. I'm glad not, too. Not my first choice. I'm really more of a Soul Caliber guy. So if Killick or Nightmare showed up, that would have been cool. Oh, that would have been so awesome if we got a Soul Cal rep. Like Killick would be so cool because they don't have a dedicated like fighting staff user. Obviously, you do have characters that use staffs, but not not like Killick does. Or absolutely ridiculous there's no way they put maxi in the game but nunchucks <laughs> come on uh i wish i wish so my initial reaction was oh somebody from tekken did not really expect that if it wasn't Hihachi. <laughs> okay exactly uh somebody will be happy <laughs> whatever all i ask is do not let the last representative be a Pokemon. <laughs> yeah, that would be a bit tone deaf, I'm afraid. I know people I... have been wanting maybe, like, um, uh, who are the two, like, Crash or Spyro, then, even, but, like, I, I was know. really hoping for Crash. Yeah. I feel like Smash Ultimate isn't Ultimate if they don't put Crash in. But if Crash doesn't make it in, I'm just blaming Activision. Crash, possibility. Would, Crash is probably the one that I want the most as the last fighter, but I would be totally cool with Chief or just anything but a Pokemon fighter, which I can totally see them doing. I feel like the only thing that would absolutely shock me would be a Sony-owned character, like Ratchet and Clank showing that, that would be a bombshell. I'd be like, oh my gosh! <laughs> see, Nintendo and Microsoft have you know had their difficulties in the past but they're really good partners now but nintendo and sony are still pretty at end so well sony doesn't like to play ball with anyone unless it benefits yeah. them so oh yeah so if if sony actually did put a rep in smash brothers that would be crazy that would that would redefine crazy <laughs> it would be a pretty big announcement to say the least so, any final thoughts on the Smash Brothers edition? Uh, I feel like 
it was a bit sad the characters that he was kind of tossing over it was like pit there's been no kid icarus games it was oh, captain falcon, falcon. <laughs> absolutely no f-zero in the water oh. <laughs> although it was a really great he didn't troll, he I didn't toss like. fox no, there was there wasn't any Star Fox. You're right. You're right. Uh, he did. He did like, toss Marth. Uh, my one friend was like, he should have thrown yeah. Marth. <laughs> like <laughs> you would no, say that. No Fire Emblem announcements either. Uh, and it started out with Ganondorf too, and people were thinking like, oh, is this is this the Breath of the Wild announcement? Is that? But then like, what's what's going on? He's going into the volcano. It's like, oh no, Sakurai's just just trolling us. It, it has nothing just, to do with Zelda. You can yeah. just tell by the style of any Smash trailer that it's a Smash trailer. Mm. My eyes have been trained at this point to pick out <laughs> Smash trailers. Yeah, some people were fooled with the uh, uh, with the Beyblades, but I was like, no, this is definitely Smash. <laughs> the Beyblades. I, I think the you haven't heard that one. Is... I I love that pet name for them because they're bays and they're blades. Oh God, God. <laughs> uh, John, you were saying. <laughs> I wish I could have interrupted that pun much harder, but I couldn't. Be nice. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just um, had to let it rip. Sketch. You better watch it ah. or kick your ass off the show <laughs> with your bad puns. At, at least we didn't have Way Forward arriving with a brand new game from a franchise they've never worked on before. Oh, it's Bakugan. Well, we are going to get to Way Forward, Sketch. You're getting ahead of yourself. <laughs> um, just, Just want to point out that these Smash trailers have been extremely consistent in doing one thing, and that's murdering characters. Oh, yeah. But you can't kill in Kirby. pretty gruesome ways. <laughs> I loved it when uh, he threw Kirby off. It was like, that's not going to work, dude. <laughs> Kirby's just going to float right back up. And I was like, this is this is the Mo and Barney meme. <laughs> I was just going to say that. I was... And the internet has already made it multiple times. It's it's beautiful. Have you guys seen the like the official art they did for for the Smash Brothers? Where they where have, they're like all standing on the, the they're cliff. all standing on the World of Light yeah. cliff, and like Luigi is holding Pikachu and they're freaking out. <laughs> I have to look that up. It's great art. Uh, I'll give it to you. Okay. It's great. It's great. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. I, I took a nap in the middle of the treehouse, so I missed a lot of the stuff that came after it. <laughs> Fair enough. And Bowser's into it. He's like, yeah, that's right. Murder him. Look at the villager holding on to Link. That's so adorable. Yeah. Like, what is he doing? The only way to die in this game is to fall off something. Something. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, I guess I can still be surprised by a Smash reveal. Yeah, I can't say that I saw this one coming. Um, so I, w I don't think it was like a particularly hype announcement or addition, but it's a nice addition. What I will say is that Terry was my favorite addition the last time around for the last pass. So I'm down with more fighting game characters because I love playing as Terry. And I think, looking, uh, it seems so also say about the hype of things. Uh, we are in particular pretty bad for that because we've been expecting a Bondi rep at somewhere, some point. There's, there's a good amount of people who were completely out of loops, and I saw a little more hype for this than than uh, what we had. Yeah, fair enough. 
Yeah, I think the question more was who are they going to add, not if they were going to add another Bondi rep, because they're making the game. It, yeah. was, sho- it was shocking to be even last mm. pass that they didn't have another Bondi rep. It was kind of, or even mm. with the base game, it was kind of shocking. So this is really a, it's about time type of deal. Yeah. But we will see who the final fighter is, hopefully later this year. The pass is supposed to conclude by the end of um, this year, so definitely stay tuned. I want to go to possibly, possibly. I wouldn't be surprised if they do their own, like, last hoorah smash direct sure. to show it. But we'll see. And at the very end, they reveal the secret final character is Waluigi! <laughs> Honestly, I, I wouldn't even be. No I wouldn't even be upset. I can dream. <laughs> People have been wanting him. I can this dream. Whole time, but like, who's actually going to play him? I don't think really anybody. But S- some somebody made a great <laughs> point: is if Waluigi is the very last character, then Sakurai doesn't have to worry about filling other requests for making assist trophies playable. Oh yeah, because he'd be going from assist trophy to playable character. Yeah. So come want... on, Isaac! You could be the last character. <laughs> Please, that would Please. be the that would be the better choice. I don't want Waluigi. I feel like I'm in the minority on that one. I, f- I feel like Waluigi should be should be in it, but if if I got Isaac instead, I ain't complaining. <laughs> if I got Lynn, I would drink the tears of people who hate Fire Emblem. <laughs> the final. Oh man, as the last reveal too. Another anime about swordswoman this time, but oh gosh. Good female rep in the DLC so far, I have to say. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's nice to see. For sure. So I want to go over these games, these five games. They're all third party. Um, Life is Strange Remastered Collection and True Colors are both coming to Nintendo Switch this year. True Colors will launch on the same day as other platforms on September 10th. The remastered collection is slated for later in the year, so it will not launch on September 30th like the other um, platforms. Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, which was announced from uh, by Square Enix and being developed by Otis Montreal, is coming to Nintendo Switch same day as other consoles. However, as I later learned, it is a cloud version of the game. They should have specified that in the direct. Uh, it looked too pretty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that seemed just... Very suspicious because all the graphics and everything, like running it like on the PS5 and Xbox Series S and all this, that makes sense. But on the Switch, yeah, uh... a little too good to be true. Uh, Worms Rumble is coming June 23rd. Astria Ascending, which is a sci-fi um, type of space shooter, September 30th. Actually, no, actually, this is a turn-based RPG, but it kind of looks like a space shooter. Um, and then Two Point Campus launches in 2022. This was announced at the game, um, not Game Awards, Summer Game Fest. This game was announced. So, any thoughts on those five games? Anything particularly stand out about those? Nice to see Worms. Yeah? Haven't, haven't seen a Worms game in a while. I'm tired of seeing Two Point. <laughs> That's because all they, I think. It's, seen, it's been shown four times now. <laughs> and they refuse to bring back the Sonic costumes that they announced for the hospital version. It's kind of an interesting concept to run your own college, but also seems like a lot of work. 
<laughs> Can I I'm make it like the movie oh, accepted? Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say yeah, I'm excited about the Life of Strange is coming, but like not as excited as other other games. And it's I feel like it's just been shoved down my throat for lack of maybe a better metaphor just uh, every like presentation every chance that square gets it's like oh and did you know she has the powers of empathy it's a totally unique concept that's never been done before <laughs> and she can like when there's people that are sad they have like a blue aura it's like ooh, it's like okay <laughs> i i enjoyed the first game um i haven't got around to checking out the second game i just I wish they had more maybe interconnectivity between like the mystery behind how the people get their powers but who knows it seemed like there was a short little trailer that showed um uh the new character from life of strange 3 as well as max and uh oh gosh i'm blanking on their names but it was a cute little animated trailer where they're on a, all on a train together so maybe maybe there will be some crossover maybe there's a bigger story but if not it's it's just nice to get it but it's not really like. So it does seem like that True Colors is going to tie in in some way to that original, um, to the original game and Before the Storm. There's a character that crosses over between the two games. So in some way they interconnect in that way, but we just uh, we don't know yet. I'm really excited about True Colors. I love Life is Strange. I haven't played this. I haven't played the second one, but I've played the original and Before the Storm, and mm -hmm. I like I like those games quite a bit. So yeah. I, I'm looking forward to True Colors. It's coming out all as one game, so no episodic nonsense. I really should get around to two at some point and play through that. Um, that is Dontnod's final. Life is Strange Two is Dontnod's final, con you know, um, contribution to the series. Yeah, it's it's good to see those games coming to Switch finally. I think it's a good platform for those. Uh, but any other thoughts on those five games? They're kind of just like filler games for me. I was getting a bit nervous when they were going through those. Five, I was like, oh, I hope it's not just kind of like extra. I hope we get some big announcements as I was like live watching E3. But it turns out, yeah, we did. We did yeah. big things. It really starts with this next game that we're going to talk about, and it's Super Monkey Ball Banana Mania. It's a game that Sega is releasing for the 20th anniversary of the series. Um, it will rec include remastered versions of courses from the first three games, so Super Monkey Ball 1 and 2 and then Deluxe. And that will launch on October 5th, 2021 for Nintendo Switch. It's also coming to PlayStation and Xbox and pretty much everything. So I'm really pumped about this. I think this looks awesome. This is exactly what they've needed to do with this series for years and years and years. And hopefully if this does well, it will lead to a, you know, like an actually good inspired Super Monkey Ball 3. Or some something in the vein of that. What do y'all think of this? I should mention that um, RGG Studio is developing it. So. Gotta love that uh, other companies are porting GameCube games. <laughs> but not Nintendo. Yeah. <laughs> hey, they did port Sunshine. So. Yep, thanks for Sunshine. Finally played through it. <laughs> Wait, you never played through it up to that point? No. No, really? when it originally came out, I was in my I like Luigi screw Mario phase. <laughs> that didn't really let didn't really let up until Mario Galaxy, to be honest. Hmm. But uh yeah, I wish I had appreciated Sunshine back then, but I like it now. It's a fun game. It's not my favorite 3D Mario, but I like it. The jank is just so bad. <laughs> it's very janky. 
very annoyingly frustrating for no good reason. Yeah. Oh, you thought you made that joke? Uh uh-uh. uh. You just felt that for the, the pachinko level. <laughs> oh. Oh man. Oh, oh man. A hundred percenting that game seems like the worst. I did it, so you can do I, it. It's possible, I don't, but I, I don't want to. I'm I'm gonna play more enjoyable Mario games. <laughs> do I regret the time? I feel like I'm the only one that doesn't regret underpresenting that game. Oh, there's plenty of people that actually consider it quite the accomplishment to 100% it, but, you know, to each their own. But yeah, I was like, Switch keeps coming out with ports of uh, N64 games, GameCube games, Game Boy games, and I'm like, Nintendo, what are you doing? <laughs> or rather, what are you not doing? Jeez. <sighs> will say for this game and it's going to be a problem that's going to happen for for games that we follow up on this uh this is the right price yep it's 40 dollars so that's the exact right price so we will get to some other games that fail to hit that mark oh boy and that bothers the hell out of me (laughs) good old nintendo tax but i will say for uh for one this got leaked a little early so we knew about this before it got announced. So my my hype was a little bit down, a little lower than it than it should have been. But moreover, this is I get the same feeling of this as I get for the Smash trilogy. Cool, you made this. I hope it sells. You put it at the right price. Please, please get it, market it right, and not just put it in the dust and have it die in the shop. Um, wait, what trilogy? Uh, Crash. Oh, Crash. I thought you said Smash. Smash. That's what I thought, too. Smash Trilogy, what? (laughs) Melee with online. (laughs) Uh, That's not possible. Nintendo doesn't want us to know that that game exists anymore, unfortunately. John, any any, final thoughts? No, I I hope, like you said, it it comes towards a new one that comes out. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Mm -hmm. that's the hope with all of these, is that it'll lead to something brand new and exciting. But uh, go ahead, Nick. Your thoughts? I didn't have all that much. I only played one of the Super Monkey Ball games a lot uh, as a kid, but it's good to see that they're getting re-released, and maybe they'll have, like, Switch motion controls, maybe for people that want to play them like that. Um, Mm -hmm. I gotta say I was a bit disappointed when the trailer opened up, and it was, like, monkeys. It was, like, Donkey Kong? Or is it Donkey Kong time? But I... It was, it was monkey in a ball, and, and yeah, as you said, I had actually heard about it too on Twitter. I think uh, being leaked a little bit early. I was like, oh, well, okay, it's it's good, and I'm, I'm glad that it's coming out. But it wasn't maybe as crazy, yeah, hype as as a as, as a new Donkey Kong mm. franchise or announcement, which we really didn't get any. It seems. Mm. Eh. It was a nice way to celebrate the 20th anniversary of Super Monkey Ball. I don't think I've only ever played the first game, at least in any significant amount, and it's fun, so I, I look forward to having that on Switch. Yeah, definitely. Also, is it the Super Monkey Ball developers? Well, uh, not the people who are porting that, but is it is uh, Amusement Vision? They did Super Monkey Ball, right? Yes, originally, yeah. Um, yeah, I can think of another GameCube game I'd like them to port. <clears throat> Well, that would be great if they had the source code for it. <laughs> I, I assume you're talking about F-Zero GX, right? Oh, yeah, baby. Yeah, like, they lost. They don't have the source code for it. 
if allegedly Nintendo feels they can't make another F Zero game until they can innovate it, just 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 HD port it, just HD port it on the Switch. Doggone it! Nobody well, can you, play that game. <laughs> you know they did do that. You know with the GameCube emulator they developed for 3D All Stars, mm. they do have the ability to like swap in and textures in and out. Like I don't know how they reverse engineered it, but it's kind of interesting. So I. I wouldn't say no to that eventually being brought over, but I just I don't think F Zero is a priority for Nintendo. I don't think it they obviously really, isn't. They, care, they don't care. I don't think. But I care. I care too. It's not. Take my money. They can't say that it's my favorite Nintendo franchise, but I would like to see it come back at some point. Fast they keep putting RMX just does not yeah, fill the hole. They keep putting Fe- Captain Falcon in the in the Smash trailers, but maybe that's just. Sakurai. I think that's just a Smash thing. It they is love a Smash. Captain Falcon. They love Captain Falcon in Smash. It's kind of like a Smash character more than. <laughs> it feels like that almost. Yeah. So, let's move on to the next game, and it is our first first party announcement for the Nintendo Direct, and it is Mario Party Superstars, being developed by Nintendo-owned studio ND Cube. The title will launch on October 29th, 2021. It will include five boards from the Nintendo 64 titles, plus 100 favorite mini-games from across the series. It will have online play for all game modes, just like the Super Mario Party online patch that was released just a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so this kind of seems like Mario Party, the top 100, but actually done right and on a home console, where it should have been in the first place thoughts yeah i mean from what I, I haven't bought any of the recent mario party games but it feels like they just really have been a lack of innovation with the boards and there's the one with the car where everyone isn't on the same space we don't really want to talk about that um and i kind of feel like some of the earlier mario party one two and three um i had on the nintendo 64 and they had some really creative boards and concepts one that would turn to day to night one that would reverse the directions and all the gates and you needed keys and it was just a lot more strategy that you had to really think and plan out which route you wanted to take and i'm glad that they're like kind of bringing that back and bringing back a lot of the the fan favorite mini games too and everything's online i think it's a win-win yeah it would be cool to have some maybe totally new boards as well but uh, maybe it's just it's easier just to take the ones people like and just say yeah here they are in HD. <laughs> this time, instead of being like Mario Maker, it's like, fine, you make the levels you want. <laughs> instead, they're like, here, here's some levels we know you like. Because <laughs> we're tired of trying to make new levels. Mario Party Maker would actually be a great idea. Ooh, that would be interesting. Uh, I'm a little... I, there's only going to be five boards from the N64 games. Mm-hmm. Is that all the boards are going to be total? Because that's kind of the problem that Super Mario Party has. Kind of seems just not enough boards. Yeah, it kind of seems like it's only going to be five. It's like boards. you have hundreds of mini games. Yeah, but we need more than five boards. I hope yeah. that they. Ex- I hope that they keep DLC open for this game because Super Mario Party clearly wasn't planned to be like that. But I feel like mm-hmm. this game has it. This game has more potential where they could go back and add maybe some GameCube boards to it, but as we've talked about, they don't seem to like to approach Nintendo GameCube territory too often. This is kind of an expected type of deal. ND Cube has a game out pretty much every year. 
sometimes they have two games out a year. Well, back when they were supporting 3DS as well. This isn't a huge surprise. That team's pretty quick when it comes to releasing games. I won't say that they're always quality releases, but they're pretty consistent. And so it's not a huge surprise to see that they have a game out this year. Of course, last year they released um, Clubhouse Games uh, 50, 51 Worldwide Classics, which I think is fantastic. But I don't know. We'll see We'll see about this one is what I'm saying. So, so what you're saying is the big problem is going to be the online. Yeah, probably. I think I've heard that the online for uh, Super Mario Party has been pretty good. Huh. I I was surprised at how good the online for uh, 3D World is. It's actually so, quite quite good. So Nintendo actually just moved a bunch of their servers over. So I wonder if that has something to do with it. Because remember, John, they were we talked about it where they were like developing their online servers on like Windows ninety five computers. Yeah, <laughs> that was oh, in Splatoon. Wow. Yeah, someone found that out. It was checking yeah. if you're running that type of computer. Which is so oh, ridiculous. <laughs> That's like part of the boot up. Yeah, it's, <laughs> or something. It's, it's really funny. Wow. Yeah, I want to say Monster Hunter Rise was the first game that's using their new, uh, it's some acronym, NTSC, something like that, uh, online servers. Uh, but yeah, I, I feel like Capcom out. was like, Nintendo, you really need to fix this stuff. <laughs> or we're not putting our games online on your system. So, yeah, Mario Party Superstars, October 29th, two days before Halloween. So, if you're vaccinated, you can go play Mario Party with your friends on Halloween. Which is obviously what all the cool kids will be doing on Halloween. Exactly. Oh, yeah, exactly. I mean... Yeah, you dress up, and you go play Mario Party at your friend's house on Halloween. That's what you do. I could see that commercial happening, because that's what they think. That's what those (laughs) Switch commercials do. You don't play basketball and just play basketball. You put, put it down. And you play basketball on the Switch. That's right. Uh, as a as a university employee, I can assure you this is not what children are doing <laughs> on Halloween. <laughs> but I'll tell you what I'm probably going to be doing on, on Halloween or in the holiday season. Or Halloween, I should say. God, it's been a long week. But we finally got something redeeming. A game that is going to give me some life going to give me some dread and that is metroid dread finally a brand new 2d entry in the metroid series it's a sequel to metroid fusion and is being developed by mercury steam it has a dynamic camera that shifts to over the shoulder perspectives during certain scenes and attacks i mean it's kind of like a cinematic type of deal the game will launch on october 8th 2021 it will also launch alongside a new set of Amiibo figures, which will include um, the design for Samus in this game and the new enemies. I don't remember what the enemies are called. Emmy. Emmy. There's some acronym. Yeah, we don't know what that stands for. Yeah, Emmy. But they're creepy. Yeah. They're like creepy type of robot figures. So Metroid Prime 4 is still in development. They had to reference that game. The game is... This has been a game that's been in the works for a very, very long time in some sort of conceptual state for the last almost two decades. Started out as a DS game. Apparently, it might have been also a 3DS game or a Wii U game at some point. And now we're finally getting it fully realized 
because of Mercury Steam. Yeah, I mean, it's safe to say this was kind of one of the most hyped things. I mean, there's, there's some Zelda things going on later, but other than that, like, for new announcements, like, this this seems to be the biggest thing of the whole E3, almost. Yeah, definitely. I would call it the second biggest thing to come out of, come out of E3. The biggest one is obvious to me and anyone that's been waiting for a game for a long time. Elden Ring. Oh, well, there was a... Uh, right, right, right. That's fair. Yeah. That's, I would say that was the biggest E3 announcement overall. But yeah, this this is the second big announcement, I would say. A brand new 2D Metroid. I mean, come on, man. Uh, I'm this... We kind of both freaked out a little bit over it and was just awestruck by the gameplay. Like, oh, it looks like good gameplay. Please play good. Don't have bad controls like the last one. Oh, it looks so smooth. Yeah, I've seen some of the treehouse footage and the yeah. slide mechanic. I like it. You got a, a sliding. You got there's like a you can grab on the walls and jump off, and then just the way that the uh, girl was like dodging these. So yeah, we haven't even mentioned it. You're basically being stalked by these like crazy robots um, that are kind of reminiscent of the SAX from yeah. Metroid Fusion, but like turned up to eleven in terms of like crazy and you can't damage them in any conventional methods it's like a one-shot like instant kill if, if they catch you which they were noting was like a first for the metroid series like there's there's been elements that are like get damaged and all this stuff but there's not there been anything that like immediately one shot you yeah i'll say for for this at least uh the sax was far more terrifying than what i'm seeing here but need to see more of the game for, for it to actually really know that or not yeah it's sax was remarkably implemented in metroid fusion so you always had that sense of oh oh crap oh crap oh crap oh crap and this one seems to be like trying to ratchet up the tension in regular intervals which Mm -hmm. might get a little annoying eventually but we'll see what they do with it but like (laughs) with the line of thing was like hey Remember those SAX sequences from Metroid Fusion? How about a whole game like that? <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, if, if it becomes a part of a, part of the game the entire way, it could be diminished by the end of it. Yeah, uh, I mean it's hard to keep that tension up for the entire time. It's just gonna, it's just kind of like an annoying stealth sequence happening all the time. You would hope by mid game you'll be able to destroy them. In some way, mm-hmm. kind of oh, like yeah, the, kind of like the guardians. Some, yeah, new new beam or missile upgrade that that works against whatever they are. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I mean, think back on like Breath of the Wild when you first encounter a guardian, right? You're completely helpless. But then, as you get maybe towards the middle of the game, you get the ancient arrows and you're able to just destroy them in one shot. And it's so mm-hmm. appealing because you've worked so hard to get up to that point. You've mm-hmm. ran away from the Guardians all this time, and I think the same thing's going to happen here, where you're going to run away from these guys for the first half of the game, and then towards the middle, you'll be able to just wipe them clean. Well, I hope so. They, there's certainly the possibility that they would become stronger over time, so say if you went back to a previous area, then you could probably wipe out those ones, but if you go into a new area, they're probably going to prevent you from doing that. Oh, maybe, but, yeah. But I will say that with the way most Metroid games play, 
which is a big focus on the exploration and stuff, to constantly have to stop and do a chase sequence could get tiresome. But we'll see. Yeah. Overall, it looks really good. Yeah, it looks really clean and polished. I mean, like I said, the game's pretty much done. I mean, you can even... You know the game's done because the game's actually uploaded to Nintendo servers already. So... Why oh. <laughs> they wait until October, doggone, I want to play it now. Yeah. <laughs> they gotta space it out. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you say that, but they're releasing both this and Mario Party Superstars in October. In October. Yeah. They could have spaced it out more. They could have. I mean, this could have been a late September, September release, yeah. But that's just a couple weeks at that point, so... I think the release date's fine. Um, clearly this is the most hardcore game that they're going to release this year. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm thrilled. I can't wait. I think it looks fantastic. But, yeah, the, game's, the game's done. I mean. I went into this direct thinking, you know, it's Metroid's anniversary, too. Yeah. yeah. Please, please, something. Something. A collection. What, where's that Prime trilogy? But just something. And this comes along and I'm like, oh. I will definitely take that. <laughs> Nintendo's somewhat weird with their collections lately. They kind of just hold them until they want to release them. Mm. Because there is also... There's got to be some Zelda content that they were holding. Because it seems very suspicious to me that every single gaming insider in the industry was saying, look, Wind Waker and Twilight Princess are coming, but then all of a sudden they're not. Like They're holding them. It's probably for next year at this point. Which we'll get to. The, I want to get to the Zelda stuff because I got a bit of, a bit of a bone to pick with some of these uh, wonderful journalists on the internet. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I and I got my way. I got my way on Twitter today too, which I will uh, uh, tell you all about. I want to talk about some of these third party games that are coming. Just a few of them, uh, and then also kind of briefly talk about a couple games that are coming really really soon. Just Dance twenty twenty two November 9th. I'm sure we're all hyped about this, right? Do we? But all is like it to coming dance? to Wii? No. Oh, I heard it's not. It's the first one. They're finally oh. cutting off the life support. Well, actually, I hate I hate to break it to you all, but last year was the last one because I had a, I had oh, an ongo- I had an ongoing bet, and the only way I know that is I had an ongoing bet with John to see which E three would be the last one. Yeah, <laughs> you've been keeping very nothing, active track of this, keeping track of it, but that's uh, that's too bad. Um, Cruisin' Blast. This one's pretty exciting. It's a brand new racing game coming yeah. exclusively to Nintendo Switch and will release this fall. Curiously, it's not being published by Nintendo, despite Nintendo owning the cruising license. Are you uh, sure they own the cruising license? I thought it was Midway. So they do, because Midway for a long time was Nintendo's arcade partner. True. But they owned the IP. They own the cruising IP. If you, So if you look at Cruisin' Blast um, or any new Cruisin' USA arcade cabinets they have the nintendo branding on them oh i didn't know that yeah so i'll actually send a picture of um cruising blast I, I did notice raw thrills was putting that i was like raw thrills actually puts out games on console yeah so they're the ones that actually are making the um the arcade cabinets nowadays so they ship out to like dave and busters and stuff like that um i'll yeah. put it in the zencaster chat here if it'll work um of course it doesn't work I will say for this cruising blast, much as I love the cruising series, seeing this coming to a console and looking as arcade as it does, to put it nicely, it's a bit rough. Yeah, it's an arcade game for sure that they're just kind of bringing over. 
no doubt about that. Mm. Like, man, the uh, saturation yeah. is wild. There is indeed a Nintendo logo on that. Yes, it, it, it does look rough, but I'm also like all right with it because we just don't have many of those types of games on Switch. Like these weird 90s era Nintendo games that they wouldn't Wait, release. There was a cruising game on Wii? Um, I think so, yeah. It's like Midway put it out. Yeah, I like arcade-style racing games. That's why I got, um... There's a couple of arcade-style racing games that you can get on the Switch eShop. Um, Dragon Ball Z Kakra is coming to the console on September 24th. It looks to be some sort of expanded edition of the game. I don't I don't remember the full name of it, but it had a huge, really long title. But, um, yeah, that's it's an open-world RPG. I've heard it's very mid- so, but if you want a good romp, then okay. Sure, why not? It's exactly like every other anime game almost ever. It's just it's just kind of there. Sketch, what do you make of this? That wasn't really on my radar for a game that would definitely come to Switch, but it makes sense. The, the history of Dragon Ball Z games coming to Switch has always been like, it comes out on the other consoles and then a long time later it finally comes to switch that's how it was with fighters and some of the other games oh god i forgot fighters even came to switch yeah yeah but hey we got that uh super famicom game (laughs) which i was honestly more excited about oh yeah that's right that was a bundle wasn't it like a pre-order bonus yeah that's the only reason i bought it physical and then i ended up buying it digital for super cheap (laughs) <laughs> that game is always on sale in the eShop now. Oh, like they're, they're like selling off the gold edition for like ten bucks. I have to pick it up sometime. It's a good fighting game, but it's probably not most optimized to play on the Switch. But mm. what, whatever. Nick, but, do you have any thoughts on DBZ? I don't know. Uh, no, it's not something that's really been following it it looks cool it says it goes through like all three or four arcs of you play through the different dragon ball characters i guess you collect all the dragon balls i i don't know i haven't seen much of the story but feels like an evolution of those old game boy advance games kind of yeah only considerably better made i remember the japanese trailer for dragon ball z kakarot and thinking like yeah they're really playing up the it's just like when you were a kid it was nice. It was, you know, the a heart tugging trailer. <laughs> and I like Dragon Ball a lot, but Oh yeah, so do I. I don't know if I really want to revisit the whole story like this, but I'll probably pick it up on sale one of these days. I had, did not bother at all to pick it up on a on a PS4 despite having that now. <laughs> oh, you do have a PS4 now? I do. My nice. when I, when my friend got an Xbox Series S He's like, here, you have my PlayStation 4. Okay. Not bad. I can play the new Final Fantasy. (laughs) Nice. Did you play Spider-Man yet? I played Spider-Man a bit, but I need to get back to it. Oh, it's so good. It is really freaking good. It's so good. Insomniac is just crazy. I mean, they're they're just one of my favorite developers. Love them. Mm -hmm. Uh, Okay, so let's get back to... Some of the headline games. These games are coming fairly soon. First of which is Mario Golf Super Rush, which is being developed by Camelot. Nintendo offered a quick recap of the game's several modes. Um, 
They also announced that there will be DLC content for the game, not a huge surprise there, and that more characters will be announced after the launch on June 25th. So just a week away, next Friday. Um, who's picking this one up? Yeah, I forgot that was coming quite so soon. Uh, I'll probably pick it up. I, I've always liked the Mario Golf games, and I like that they brought back the adventure campaign like the Game Boy games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I mean, it looks like a big, really fun, like for a party, the... Uh... The golf rush where, where everyone is like speed golf um, playing it at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I was a big fan. Uh, like we going back to Wii Sports golf. I mean, I probably played all the Wii Sports games, uh, got all the max stars or, or whatever it was uh, for completion for that. But uh, I don't know. It, it's I, I got some other things that, that I got uh, looking forward to and finding time for everything. Uh, it's it's a lot. Um, but it does. Like, it does look good. I like that Pauline's a playable character already. Yeah, it's glad that they're including her in more things. Um, and then, yeah, who knows? Like, what the other additional DLC characters are? We already got King of Om. Like, <laughs> they're really pulling from some uh, Mario legacy mm-hmm. uh, characters, and they're they're redesigning like uh, a lot of them to have um, golf attire too. It looks they good. all got such good drip. <laughs> so. It'll be really interesting to see who else uh, gets brought in and, and has, you know, what type of attire. I mean, I guess for some characters like DK and, and the King Bomb guy, they don't really wear clothes, so it's whatever. But yeah, it's a, I'm looking forward to, like, at least seeing who else gets released, but I don't know if I'll be picking it up quite myself. John, do you like Mario Golf? I love Mario Golf. I like the Hot Shots series a lot more, but th- if I had a Switch, I would get this. Yeah, yeah, it looks fun. I'm I'm most excited about the adventure mode personally. I, I think mm-hmm. that's, and I like the new rush mode too. That one looks really fun. But I mean, Mario Golf. I have a mixed history with Mario Golf. Like I was, I was never as into Mario Golf as I was Mario Tennis. But um, my favorite Mario Golf was the N64 one, the first one. And yeah, I, I mean, I don't really go too much beyond that. I. Toadstool's Tour, I, I played a bit of. I never really played the GBA one. I don't remember. Maybe my friend had it or something. I might have tried it then, but don't have a lot of memories with that game in particular. But yeah, looks cool. It looks like a really high-quality game, though. I think Camelot's done a great job. Um, maybe they can do Golden Sun now, but, you know. Please, <laughs> stop. <laughs> my heart, Give man. Golden Sun. We got some new footage for Monster Hunter Stories 2 Wings of Ruin. After months of story trailer after story trailer, we finally got a concrete trailer of overworld gameplay. Finally. And it looks so good, I don't know what they were hiding all this time. (laughs) It looks really, really good. Uh, The game will launch on July 9th, and a free demo will be available on June 25th. Uh, Three amiibo figures will launch alongside the game. And will support um, crossover content with Monster Hunter Rise. I, I think you get some sort of like stickers or something with it. It's nothing huge. But yeah, there you go. Monster Hunter Stories 2. Who's interested in this game? So I may look into this one. Um, I have never jumped into the Monster Hunter uh, games as a series. Um, I got the Monster Hunter Rise demo. 
on the Switch, and I played it a little bit, and it thoroughly kicked my butt, and I was like, yeah, maybe there's something to this. Um, but this, I I guess I more uh, tend towards uh, turn-based games, like Pokemon and stuff like that, so this seems like right up my alley. Um, I was watching the Treehouse uh, gameplay of it, too, and, and it seems, yeah, like, really cool. You get to ride on the, the monsters. Um, they called them something else, like min- minis or... Monsties. 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 Like, yeah. Okay, bestie monster. <laughs> but yeah, it looks cool. Um, and also a good way to, I guess, familiarize uh, new people to the series with all the mechanics and everything. And it looks like there's a ton of customization. You still have the same, like, uh, making your weapons and armor from the parts of the monsters that you kill. So yeah, it looks pretty cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm really, I mean, I just think the game looks beautiful. I'm really intrigued by it. And, um, yeah, I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to trying the demo. I'm usually not a demo person, but I'm not entirely sold on it yet. I I gotta get my hands on this, so I will be downloading the demo for this one. John, you're a big Monster Hunter fan. What do you make of the spinoff series? I don't think you've ever played Stories, though. I have not. But here's here's the thing, Tyler. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever we see Monster Hunter for everything else, they show you all the gameplay in the world. The yep. story in every Monster Hunter game that isn't a spinoff. It's garbage. It's trash. It has the most generic, nothing dialogue to it. The most easily to to see plot line. It's just it's just a lot. It's just filler to get to the porn. And that's the gameplay. Mm. I that's the reason why all the way up until now you have just not seen gameplay. It's been all just story trailer, story trailer, story trailer, and they finally showed gameplay. There was nothing to be ashamed about for this gameplay either. Mm-hmm. Like that was kind of the worry we kind of had for a little bit. It's like, is it? Are you not showing it for a reason or something? Something up? No, yeah, uh, it looks fine. Yeah, looks great. Yeah, I don't know why they were so cagey with it for such a long time because it looks really nicely polished and fun. Looks very. It looks cozy. Mm. Looks like it would have fit right in on the wholesome direct. It does look cozy. Um, but yeah, so Monster Hunter Stories 2, July 9th, launching exclusively on Nintendo Switch. Well, it'll be on PC too, but for consoles, it's Switch exclusive. We have our third first-party announcement for the Nintendo Direct, and that is WarioWare Get It Together, developed by Intelligent Systems, and will launch on September 10th, 2021. Who's excited about this one? I'm really excited about this one. I'm excited. Nice to see WarioWare back at it. And co-op, I just got done playing WarioWare on the DS. I want this. <laughs> Does anyone ever get done playing WarioWare? Exactly. That's that's true. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I guess I may not be the the. Well, I haven't played all that many of the previous ones, but I'm, I'm glad that people are Ooh. excited for it. You, you, which ones have you played? Uh. Whichever was the one with the like the Wiimote. Oh, um, uh, Smooth Shake Moves. It. Smooth Moves? I think it smooth was Smooth Moves. moves. Yeah. Shake uh, It was the I'd... Wario Land. Okay. Oh, right, right. But yeah, I mean, it, it seems like a cool idea. Uh, and I'm sure with the Switch, um, the Joy-Cons have like all these other capabilities and the 3D uh, vibration and stuff. I'm, I'm sure that there'll be a lot of uh, pretty unique micro games and things that they'll be able to come up with. 
what was one two switch but not quite WarioWare? Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Let's show off all the new, you know, tech and capabilities of these little Joy Cons, but then uh, yeah, that's that's it. It's just like three games and <laughs> they had really made use of those Joy Con features. I was just thinking that like I have never seen those features for like a gimmick for Nintendo usually stays around a little longer. That died fast. Mm. They're just controllers now. Yeah, not the best controllers. <laughs> that too. Yeah, my... I feel like there's so much. Yeah, with the the like PS5s um, haptic feedback and all this, but like, are these really things that developers are putting in all of their games? Like, maybe for those, but I don't know. It feels like there's a lot of unused like technology that goes into these controllers and things. That's just not really the top priority of the developers. I will say that the haptics in the PlayStation 5 controller are being used by Sony's first-party games, but um, not so much by some of the other developers. Like, Returnal and Ratchet & Clank have incredible haptics in it. Um, Especially Returnal. Returnal's incredible with its haptics. But, yeah, I don't know. Nintendo really doesn't use too much of the Joy-Con. This game does seem like it's more Joy-Con-centric, which is nice. Um... I sure hope we get a new switch by then because my left Joy-Con is starting to drift a little. So, fingers crossed. Or maybe I'll just buy those Skyward Sword ones. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see what happens. But yeah, I mean, a new WarioWare is great. So this actually kind of leaked out by Nintendo themselves a few weeks back. Uh, they sent out a survey to so- select people. Um asking if they would purchase a new WarioWare game for 49.99 on Nintendo Switch. And here we are. The game's 49.99. It's releasing in September. Very clear that they were hitting towards something. And they were also hinting towards another game that was in that very same survey that I want to talk about a bit later because I think Nintendo might have another holiday game that they're not quite talking about yet. It's not very exciting, but it's something that might do pretty decent. But we'll get to it. But any other thoughts has, on WarioWare? I hope this has a lot of content for it to be fifty dollars. Yeah, we'll see. So I think the biggest difference between this WarioWare and some of the other ones is that you actually control the characters on screen. Um, like the game is controlled by the actual WarioWare characters, in, mm. instead of each separate mini game having like its own set of characters, which is interesting. I'm. I'm curious what they'll do with that, and I'm definitely intrigued by this. I I will for sure be picking it up, no doubt. And I think another great addition to the Switch library, if you ask me. But any final thoughts on WarioWare? It's good to see it back. Yeah, definitely. We got a big third-party game, a big third-party console exclusive coming, and that is Shin Megami Tensei Five. This was a game announced way back during the 2017 Nintendo Switch presentation. It's been that long, and it is finally releasing. Uh, we got a big first look at gameplay. It's a isekai-like game set in a future dystopia where you can f- befriend and recruit demons, and then you can see them in the overworld this time around, so no random encounters. Um, November 12th, worldwide release, and like I said, it is exclusive to Switch. Um, so, 
who here is a Shin Megami Tensei fan or a Persona fan? I know John, you are, of course. Yes. Um, Nick Sketch, do you two have any history with the Shin Megami or Persona? Never played it once. Huh? I've seen a playthrough of Persona Five. Uh, that looks really awesome. I just, why is that not coming to Switch? Atlas. <laughs> um, it's it's all right. I, I guess they're they're like, oh, you get a console exclusive with this one, and and then PS Five gets this exclusive. You know, they're they're spreading out their games. I guess you gotta. I would all look, of them. <laughs> I would look to Sony. For asking why it won't come over, because I'm pretty sure they have a deal with Atlas, and they just won't say. Yeah, that could be it. But yeah, I mean, it looks really cool. Um, it has the same sort of, like, you recruit the enemies, and then it's got the same persona sort of battle style where you got to figure out what their weaknesses are, and then you can get multiple attacks. Um, interestingly enough, it seems to have someone pointed this out on Twitter that it has like the same uh, battle UI as TMS. Uh, the Tokyo Mirage Sessions oh. slash Sharp F Fire Emblem crossover random that game. Right. Um, <laughs> that was also by Atlas. Uh, I don't know if that was intentional. I don't know if we'll see Chrom, you know, show up randomly. I doubt it. But let's hope not. Maybe uh, Dante from the <laughs> Devil May Cry series will sh- make an appearance again. It seems like there's just a lot of yeah interesting things that the SMT series uh, has touched in one way or another. But I mean, yeah, it, it looks like a cool game. You know, maybe the UI artist is the same between the two games. Who knows? Yeah, that's probably all it is. But mm-hmm. yeah, it was interesting to, uh, trivia someone saw. Sketch, how about you? Yeah, I've never played a Persona game. So, oh. looks interesting. You should fix that. You have a PS4 now. You have no excuse. Yes, yeah, I actually I own a copy of, uh, of Persona 5 Royale. I just haven't haven't put it in yet. (laughs) I can only tackle one RPG at a time, and I'm not sure which one I am tackling right now. (laughs) What are the choices? It's time time to lose 120 hours of your life, man. (laughs) That's a bit daunting. (laughs) Well, think of it. I always just think back during um, quarantine when Rob played it back to back. He did two full runs back to back of that game. I'm like, how did you do that? When you get into the zone, you're in it, man. I don't know, man. I've never stopped working in all this time, so... Yeah. <laughs> I didn't have the abundance of time some people did. Yeah, I worked from home. Mm. It was One fun. of these days, uh, though. It is funny that you bring up Persona, though, as, like, why it's not coming on the Switch. And, like... <laughs> I Joker can't... Smash Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell, like, if people are excited for this or not like it's it does seem like a fever pitch of people want persona they don't really care about this series it's kind of been a series that's fallen out in that kind of way where it's staying in a niche but they want to treat it like it's bigger than that well really it just has a cult following to it it's so is it particularly popular in japan as far as i yes? know yeah it's a, a lot bigger in japan but that but persona are... happened and yeah, yeah weren't, weren't the Shimigami Tensei games like exclusive to 3DS for a while? So I think it's kind of a continuation of that in some yeah. sorts. So but... four was Shimigami Tensei four, and then all of like the last generation spinoff games besides Persona, which is its own thing at this point, 
um, were exclusive to 3DS. So yeah, I, I think it's a continuation of of that of that partnership with the Nintendo to release Shin Megami Tensei games because three and the games prior to it were I know at least three Nocturne was PlayStation Two. I believe the other Shin Megami games were place no not playstation super famicom i want to say yeah there were you can play the original on uh, on the switch online now if you know japanese oh, well there you go not not the u.s version of course you have to right, the download japanese. the japanese one which you should because there's some exclusives on there that you can perfectly play even if you don't know japanese yeah exactly exactly so all of this i think the spinoff games were on playstation Beyond yeah. um, Shimagami Tensei Two, mm-hmm. I mean, we we did get Persona Strikers on Switch, but that just whatever. Perso- it's Persona Strikers. It it does seem like Sony has some kind of lock on mainline Persona games. Now it'll we'll have to see what they do with the new IP because Atlas is working on a brand new IP called Project Refantasy, and we will see if that ends up coming to other platforms. But that's yet to be seen, or if Sony has a lock on that too. But Catherine came to everything, and including Switch. It's weird. Mm-hmm. It's Atlas games are very weird, and like the Etrian Odyssey games are exclusive to Switch, so or exclusive to Nintendo consoles. I don't know. It's just weird. There's certain franchises that they own that they like to just put on one thing, but then there's some they bring to everything. Like Catherine kind of came to everything. Yeah. I don't know, but I hope someday they do put persona 5 on switch oh oh i hope so too man i just i just doubt it i just really doubt it i can see persona 4 coming to switch before persona 5 <laughs> wouldn't that, that be hilarious <laughs> persona's coming to switch it's persona 4 <laughs> it's the one you didn't ask for <laughs> just feel like such a anything happens with persona 3 oh man because like why did why did joker get added into smash Bros then if not because Sakurai wanted him. Anything. I mean, <laughs> you're not wrong. <laughs> Did you see him talking to Morgana? He's in love. Smash Brothers continues to be the better PlayStation All-Stars than PlayStation All-Stars. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> okay, let's move on to the next game. It is kind of an exciting game. It's coming from NIS. It's Rampa. Decadence. It's a collection of the first three mainline Danganronpa games, and it also includes a, um, an interesting like bonus game. It's called Danganronpa S. What's the full name? Ultimate Summer Camp. It's a board game from um, B3, and uh, it's been essentially expanded into its own game, which I, I think is really interesting. What's particularly interesting about this collection is that it is a physical exclusive with a collector's edition, art book, and soundtrack, but you can purchase the four games separately on eShop. But if you want them all together in one package, you have to buy it physically. So what I'm guessing this is going to be like is it's going to be on one cartridge, you put the cartridge in, and it will install the four icons of the games on the Switch home screen. Probably. So. Which is a good way to do it. (laughs) Yeah, it's not a bad way at all. If they want to sell the four games separately, yeah. That, I've, I mean, I've been hearing doing. about those uh, Sega game multi-carts that if you stick the cartridge in it, it has both the icons. Yeah, yeah. Because like you the, can't make a game selection screen. Oh my gosh. Yeah, like those um, 
the, like the Sonic bundles or like the Monkey Ball Sonic thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is cool. Yeah. Dragon Ropa is a, a cool franchise that has mostly or entirely be on uh, PlayStation and Steam. So it's it's cool that it's coming to a Nintendo console finally. I have a special spot in my heart for Donkin Rampa because Donkin Rampa One Two Reload was the first game I ever reviewed with a review code. So mm-hmm. it has a very special place in my heart for that reason alone. But I like yeah I like Donkin Rampa quite a bit, and this seems cool. I don't know if I will buy it because I have all the games already. But yeah, I think this is interesting. This is great for me because I don't own any of the Donkin Oh yeah, if you don't own it, yeah, I would totally recommend this. Yeah. yeah. I've only like I've never played any of the games because I didn't have PlayStation mm-hmm. uh, portables. So this is great. And uh, I did see the the first anime and I liked that. Oh, yeah. I forgot they did that. Which apparently is not as good as actually playing the game. No, it's not. It's not even close. <laughs> no surprise no. there. Not even no close. Surprise it's... there. It's funny that you're going to go through it in reverse now because yeah. it's going to make that be completely undermined. Probably. I honestly don't remember too much of it. It's been so many years now. But ho- hopefully I won't be like, oh, I remember how this went. <laughs> but yeah, this has been really yeah, cool for true. our uh, meetup group in particular on our Discord, which... I want to plug, but it's also kind of recommended for people in the Dallas-Fort Worth area in Texas, but basically we've been doing VN playthrough nights uh, where we're actually, uh, Corey, in fact, is actually going through uh, Danganronpa. We finished Danganronpa 1, and we're going through the second one then now, and we're like, uh, a bunch of people are playing as the different characters, and so a lot of us, including myself, actually haven't played through the full game yet, so it's a lot of the twists and turns are uh happening in real time for us and it, it's a lot of fun um i definitely recommend uh checking these games out even if it's just you're playing by yourself but if you have a chance to play with other people too and like voice the different characters um it's it's a lot of fun yeah Corey was telling me that you guys do this um do like i don't know visual novel tuesday thursday type of thing and that you yeah. voice some of the characters <laughs> Yeah, they got me as Monokuma somehow. I, I don't oh, know nice. that quite happens, but <laughs> it's it's definitely a lot of fun. Um, it's I mean, it started kind of just with quarantine starting, um, and like, what can we do, like, to stay connected somehow? And and that's what they thought of. We've we've been playing through like Phoenix Wright, uh, and, nice. and then just a couple other uh, visual novels that that have a lot of characters, so a lot of uh, people that are online on the discord at the time can just join in and and have fun voicing you guys should do famicom detective club because it was never dubbed so dub it that is a good one i know justin has got those uh though i feel like he got kind of frustrated at times playing through that so uh i don't know usually between like the the five or six of us um or however many are playing we're, we're able to like solve the puzzles and, and for Danganronpa than the cases where we're usually able to put them together before, at least before the main character is able to, but um, but yeah, that, that also seems like something that we could do. Yeah, the problem with that game, and I, I know what you're referring to in terms of the frustration of it, is that sometimes you just have to go through every single menu option to figure out what to trigger to move the story forward, and sometimes it's the stupidest thing. <laughs> like, you just can never figure out, like, okay, which what am I supposed to do, and it's some back door option or something like that 
I don't know. The games are great, though, overall. I really enjoyed playing those. Another Wii U port is coming, this time not published by Nintendo, and it's Fatal Frame Maiden of Black Water. It will launch on Nintendo Switch and other platforms later this year, with Koei Tecmo, the original developer of the game, on publishing duties. So this game on Wii U was published by Nintendo. It's the first party game they published it. This time around, it seems like they had a wonderful 101 type situation happening where they are just letting the original developer publish it themselves. Now, Koei Tecmo does own the IP, so I'm sure that this was a much smoother process, but it's very clear that Nintendo's not the one that funded this. What do y'all think? Um, Any longtime Fatal Frame fans here? Not here. No? Which I I find it funny that this is happening and you put it that way because it makes me go, okay, really, who asked for this then? (laughs) People who like Fatal Frame. (laughs) I saw zero buzz anywhere, so I'm really, like, confused as to how this is even happening. Maybe this is something that's popular with the Japanese audience. That's possible. I've I've definitely been intrigued, at least ever since the character popped up uh, in Smash Brothers as an assist trophy. Hmm. Plus all that controversy regarding the game on the Wii U version (laughs) certainly got it in the news. So, I've, I've been intrigued, and I'll potentially check it out i'm not much for horror games though so i don't know this this might not be my bag (laughs) you're not into resident evil sketch no oh sketch what are you doing man you gotta play re2 it's the game i recommend to everyone the new one yes the remake i'll look into it it's think of it it's like a it's a 3d metroidvania but with zombies it's chef's kiss let me tell you well everybody keeps telling me i need to play uh resident evil 4 so that might be at the top of my list see that's the thing that always bothers me everyone recommends that game when there's the superior resident evil 2 Mm. just saying but i resident evil 4 is great as well i i don't have a strong opinion i never finished it but i did finish 2 and 7 and 8 Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is I'm very biased. <laughs> Slightly. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, Nick, do you have any attachment to the Fatal Frame series? Any thoughts, opinions on Made in the Black Water? No, I mean, it, it does seem... I, I feel like I've seen like a YouTube trivia video about it. it it's got some yeah, deep uh, history in uh, Japanese lore and, and something about the camera and ghosts only showing up after you take a picture of them. I I still haven't finished Pokemon Snap yet, so... <laughs> Great <maybe>. comparison! <laughs> Very good comparison! I'm, I'm still, you know, working on that. Uh, hey, you like Pokemon it, Snap? Hey, you want Pokemon you want Snap to, to scare you shitless? <laughs> Fatal Frame! Pretty much. But yeah, if you're into both involve cute anime girls. <laughs> if you're into Japanese horror uh, and like really that like confinement, I I feel like this if it's the Wii U one you're saying, um, it's like you're gonna be able to move around your Switch controller and like see things in like real time. Mm. Um, that's very spooky when it comes to hunting ghosts and stuff. I feel. Hmm. 
That sounds interesting. I'm going to check it out. Yeah, I'm definitely intrigued. I wonder – the thing that I don't know about this, I don't know if they um, commented this. Oh, they did actually. So never mind. I was going to say I don't know if it's a retail game, but Koei Tecmo uh, in, their, in their trailer said it's a digital-only game. So that's kind of a disappointment. Oh, it's digital-only again? Uh, at least for North America. I mean maybe Europe will get a physical copy that we can all import. But. Uh, well, I buy most of my Switch games digital anyway, but yeah, there you go. I'm a physical. But, but if it's a game that I'm concerned that'll no longer be available at some point, then I want the physical. So I'm <laughs> a little annoyed at that. Like I know Smash Brothers is never going to go out of print, <laughs> mm. so I'll have the digital version on my Switch at all times because I like it that way. But, well, at least until the next Smash Brothers comes out, which is going to be, yeah, probably well, when but, we're all in the grave. But which... even then, it's it's you know it's still going to be available. Though I should probably pick up a physical copy before it becomes like a hundred dollars, because that's the way it goes with old Nintendo games. Yep, that is how it goes. So we got a hodgepodge of dlc and updates on existing games or games that were already announced doom eternal is getting an update later today it's the ancient gods part one tony hawk's pro skater one and two will release on june 25th strange brigade is out today um it was released for xbox one and ps4 in 2018 apparently thanks nick i did not know that <laughs> i had not heard about this game myself i was looking at it. what what is this it looks looks cool. You're like adventuring in dungeons and solving puzzles together. I think it's got multiplayer with that. But is this the space shooter? Uh, no, I no? don't think so. It seemed a more just grounded kind of dungeon puzzly. Maybe I just imagined the space shooter game. I feel like there was definitely a space shooter somewhere, but I, I've been watching all four or five e3 presentations there's it all mixes together oh my gosh <laughs> it's been a long couple of days yeah well, that's an understatement <laughs> uh and then finally we got a reminder of mario plus rabid sparks of hope which will launch exclusively on switch in 2022 um any thoughts on any of these i mean this is pretty much all old news portable tony hawk yeah yeah there you go I'm just, I'm looking for the next game. Yeah. Let's just get right into it. An old franchise is coming back from Nintendo, and it's Advance Wars 1 and 2 Reboot Camp. It's a remake of the first two Game Boy Advance titles. Um, it has improvements such as animation speed-up buttons and will launch on Nintendo Switch on December 3rd, 2021. And the developer of the game may surprise you. It is none other than Shantae developer WayForward not intelligent systems because all oh, that ruins my joke then where i was going to say so people were looking forward to the game that intelligent systems was developing but we were thinking it's going to be like a fire emblem remake maybe a fire emblem 4 but it's advanced wars remake that no Except one was really expecting but it turns out yeah dang, it's, it's, a it's not developers, so, we're gonna okay. we're gonna we're gonna talk later about what wasn't there so save that okay, okay. i see so I tuned in a little late, and this was the first thing that I saw. I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> I remember Advance Wars. This is nice. I think this is the first time John knew what they were announcing before I did, because John's a bigger Advance Wars fan than I am. Hmm. What, what did you make of the announcement, John? 
happy, especially since I've been playing it on the DS before before this Sam. So I've had a, a sketch moment with Metroid. <laughs> except mine was Advanced Wars. Um, yeah, I've I've been on a Metroid kick, which was pretty timely, all things considered. <laughs> I even finally uh, started playing Samus Returns on the 3DS. It's like, oh, okay, well, I should finish that before October. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Uh, I just unfortunately, Metroid. On, unfortunately, on my side, uh, I was looking more for a new game, not so much the remake, but I will definitely take a remake. Uh, especially since it's from WayForward, I, I I trust them with anything to come out good. I never expect them to give you a, a nine, ten out of ten type of game, but anything they put their hands on, you're not gonna, they're not gonna fuck up. It's just something they're not gonna fuck up. I did see a bit of the treehouse and saw uh, more detail on the, on the changes that they're doing. It's still not gonna be a voiced game, which I'm fine with. I can live with that. Hmm. Um. The music is being remixed, which is I actually kind of I like that a lot. Uh, aside from the obvious that you saw with three models and animations for the CEOs and stuff, and they're gonna have a lot more facial reactions to the gameplay itself. There isn't that much being done for the gameplay, which is the biggest problem I have because those games are old. Yeah, I'm gonna say now they, they could use some improvements <laughs> in that regard. They could use improvements and. Honestly, if you're going to bring back Advance Wars, give more stuff, more missions that you make up yourself, or more units that get sprinkled in in some way. Something to, to mix it up more, because they need touching up uh, more, more than this, especially for a game that is going to be $60. Ooh. <laughs> Which bothers me a lot. Mm-hmm. But I'm happy. I'm happy with with, with what I see. Just, just the price really hurts me. Yeah, so it's a full price game, fifty nine ninety nine. But um, it is two Advance Wars campaigns. It is just ones that already existed. The thing about Nintendo pricing at this point is that we can complain about it all we want, but all of us Nintendo whores are gonna go out and buy it the day it comes out. So I just I can't even talk anymore. Oh, Skyward Sword, sixty bucks. Yeah, I'm gonna buy it day one. I love Skyward Sword. Take I it. Oh, it comes comes with a twenty five dollar amiibo that oh, unlocks gonna, all the features. Gonna oh, buy that too. That. It's in the cart. <laughs> gonna buy that too. Oh, I'm actually I'm actually I'm considering like, on that. Yeah, not getting that one. But uh, if if I see that amiibo in a store, I, I'll probably get that. You but you know you know I'm a Nintendo sell. whore when I bought 3D All Stars twice. Oh gosh! Oh god! See, I'm not even that bad. That's bad. <laughs> and I just because I saw it on sale, I just picked up a second one of the um, uh, Mario gaming watches to keep in the box. Because it's a neat collector's piece. How many did you buy? Oh, two. <laughs> I, I I I bought one to play, and then I was gonna buy another one, but I was like, eh, I'll see if it ever goes on sale, and it did. So. Uh, well, we're going to talk about Game & Watch later. Uh, got some interesting news on that. But any final thoughts on Advance Wars? I'm pretty excited about this. I think it's cool. Yeah, I'm I'm stoked. Yeah. I'm a little miss about the price, but it'll probably go on sale. You would hope. 
I, I I see that as one of those games that'll be on sale like a year later. Hopefully, it doesn't do bad. That would be unfortunate. Mm-hmm. And a slightly lower price definitely would have helped in that regard. But once again, you're right. Yep. I trust WayForward to put out something nice. So let's get into the final segment of the giraffe. And it was focused entirely on the Legend of Zelda series. Uh, the segment opened up with DLC for Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity. The first wave of DLC will launch on June 18th. The second wave launching in November. Some of the DLC that they showed was Zelda on the Master Cycle, which is the motorcycle they added to Breath of the Wild. It's really cool. Um, Link with Sheikah Whips. And you can now play as a full-sized Guardian. There you go. And no um, Pura or Robbie yet. Unfortunately, yeah, it's that's really something. Um, we, I mean, we haven't heard anything about what the DLC is going to be ever since they announced it earlier in the year. Um, some data miners have like uncovered, I guess, more like voice lines for Pura and, and Robbie. So those are like the other tech scientist guys. So that's why people were thinking that they were going to be added as some of the DLC fighters. Um, but it looks like instead we're getting some other things totally out of left field. Uh, I, I don't know if that's the official name, the the Guardian Whips or something. It looks like Link is like holding two like of the legs uh, from like your little um, the little eggy Guardian guy, and he just like swings them around somehow. I don't I don't know what what's going on with that. Um, the problem is it's still like Age of Calamity, so you're still gonna be getting. The frame drops, you're still... Uh, like, I, I played through the game, I'd pr pretty much finish all the missions and everything, but I was noticing it towards the last couple missions, uh, the last fights where mm. it's raining and dark outside and stuff. You're you're seeing some stuttering and not the best, like, consistent frame rate um, when you got down to it. And, uh, so I don't know if... Just adding a couple more characters and like a couple more story missions is is enough. If is it worth the price? I think it's like fifteen or twenty dollars or something like that. If, I don't know. I'm not the most excited about this, but maybe if I saw some more, maybe if we knew who was being added or if there's a more final story epilogue that was added. How about they pass the game so it plays better? Yeah, that too. That'd be great. People were really thinking like that would be a good reason to get a Switch Pro, put on a Switch Pro, but uh, didn't really hear. You, you got to think that, that game that they're going to optimize that mm -hmm. for Switch Pro when it comes out. It's I'm, I wasn't I liked the game, but I wasn't like crazy about it. Yeah, same. Uh, just a quick reminder: Skyward Sword HD, July sixteenth. So they just threw that in there. But this was the first like new announcement that they showed. And so, you know, they kind of lied. They said they were focusing exclusively on Nintendo Switch software. Well, this is hardware. Oh, and not right. Nintendo <laughs> Switch software. And that is... <laughs> so they're going to celebrate the 35th anniversary of The Legend of Zelda with another Game & Watch device. This time it's for The Legend of Zelda. And you'll be able to play three full Zelda games on the system. 
So the original Legend of Zelda will be on there. Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link. And the original version of Link's Awakening. Uh, not the DX version, but just the original. It's kind of lame that it's not the DX version. It's very lame. I don't know why. Yeah. I mean, nothing wrong with the original, but, I mean, you could have done the DX version. Yeah, yeah. It's like three Zelda games. It's like, are they going to put... Link to the Past on this thing? I oh. was thinking oh. it was going to be Link to the Past, but no, oh, it was just oh, the, the Game Boy game. Okay, uh, that makes more sense. <laughs> yeah, not even like the Oracle games, or or what were those other ones? Uh, oh man, like a like, a, a triple cool? collection with the Oracle games and Link's Awakening yeah. DX on a Game & Watch would have been <laughs> sick. But yeah, of but had, we... They, they had we, to have Zelda 1 and 2. We don't get nice things like that, so... I'm feeling real cheated that Super Mario Brothers 3 or Super Mario Land was not on the Mario one. Right? Yeah, it's kind of bizarre that you would think Mario Land would be... I mean, they did it with this, so you'd think that would be, like, you know, the logical next game to put on that system. But, yeah, mm. I, it's it's kind of weird to me that they didn't. Of course, if this ends up being, like, $10 more than the Mario one... Eh. Um, actually, it's the same price, forty nine ninety nine. Oh, I see how it is. Yeah. <laughs> You're actually getting more bang for your buck with this one. But I Zelda... appreciate that they're continuing this line. It's like, well, if you're going to do this kind of thing, then Metroid? Kid Icarus? Donkey Kong? Donkey Kong would be the one I would probably lean towards. Yeah, I wonder if this is a sign of more of these little retro Game & Watches to come. Well, like, I mean, really the packaging videos. for the Mario one makes it very clear that the idea is to have multiple kinds of these Game & Watches because it has, like, a slide-off part of the package that's Mario, but the rest of it's just a standard Game & Watch box with no branding associated to a particular series. So I, I think that's what they're going for. Is that how it is, really? Yeah. I guess I never it's, noticed. It's pretty neat. Huh. I'll have to, take, I'll have to look at mine later. So I figured they'd at least do another one, and Zelda made sense. Yeah, yeah, it does make sense quite a bit. Um, I want to comment on something that people are reporting on and very much misinterpreting. During the segment, Eiji Aonuma said, we don't have any plans for additional campaigns or Zelda releases on Switch for the 35th anniversary. He said for this year. For the, for the anniversary in particular, yes. Which is this year, right? Yeah. People mm -hmm. are misinterpreting that as there are no unannounced Zelda games coming to Switch. That's not true. I can tell you that right now that's not true. There's always Zelda games in development. That's the key. There's yeah. always is, unannounced Zelda games. So that's when I see suicide a, to think of. <laughs> like, so what the fuck? When I see a website, a Zelda-focused website, and I will not name said website, tweet that out, I'm like... This is really irresponsible because you're not considering context. You're just trying to get something up for clicks. And um, since I called them out on it because I quote tweeted it and it because it ticked me off, uh, they've since removed the tweet and removed the article entirely. So uh, maybe somebody else within the team also noticed that um, that's you know not exactly the message that they were trying to convey. They're saying no more Zelda games this year. Skyward Sword and this are it, and they're not doing any further anniversary campaigns for the series this is it not but that there's not more zelda games coming but doesn't that mean that there is no wind waker or 
Twilight Princess coming? Just not this year. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> those Thank games, you. those games will come at some point. Yeah, they, I feel like that's an inevitability. It, it would just be printing money for them. Mm-hmm. My theory is, is that those games were supposed to come out this year. That Nintendo is just kind of sitting on them, just like they're doing with the Metroid Prime trilogy, in case Breath of the Wild two takes a bit longer, which I think it will. So they can say, while you're waiting, here are these Zelda <laughs> games to play. It's the classic Nintendo strategy. While you're mm. waiting six or seven months for this next game, or we think six or seven months, enjoy these two games while you wait. It's just the same thing with Skyward Sword. Good point. Yeah, Plus, if they release Skyward Sword and then they also announce those, people are going to be like, well, why do you get two for $60? Yeah, so, and I think that's a smarter marketing plan, right? Is mm-hmm. to give it a little bit of breathing room. Yeah. They don't... In the past, Skyward Sword has been overlooked and they want to avoid that happening again. Right. Exactly. I hope it plays well. Yeah, I hope so too. Also, randomly, people are saying online, I think they're misconstrued that uh, Japanese people place a specific emphasis on the 35th anniversary or something. People are saying online, like, oh, this, this has a big significance in Japan culture for some reason. So all the big things, all they're pulling out all the stops for the 35th anniversary compared to like the 30th anniversary or 40th anniversary. And that doesn't really seem to be the case. I was looking into that and I, I can't really find anything why that was just making stuff up yeah it seems like more just random reddit <laughs> theories for that um but so there's there's not really necessarily a, a precedent where they had to you know release every single zelda game ever and zelda other collections and stuff like that so it's it's not a big deal i think yeah i, I, yeah. I agree Any additional thoughts on the Game & Watch? Uh, I'm going to try to look to pick it up, yeah, but is it going to be sold out everywhere? Uh, like those, that those Metroid Cons? Special Edition has already been sold out. Um, it was like sold out in minutes. I saw the, yeah, the Amiibos too, already out of pre-order already, I think. Uh, Whatever to the Amiibos. I wanted, I wanted the Special Edition. So I called my local GameStop today, and they told me that they should be in the system tomorrow. So I would call your local GameStop tomorrow if you want to shop. I will do that. Uh, they came to my rescue with the Fire Emblem 30, 30th anniversary. <laughs> Same here, and I think I saw your tweet, and that's what inspired me to call GameStop and ask, yeah. and that's what I was able to get mine as well. It's like, just, Best Buy, you could have had my money, but... It's such stu- a... It, you're it's stupid so, about pre-orders. It's so <laughs> nice, too, that collector's edition. It's so nice. It is very slick. I finally opened it recently, and it is very cool. Very yeah, nostalgic is. for Nintendo Power era. It is, yeah. Yeah, it is. But now I really do wish that they had put a physical cartridge on it. I know it would have been such a minuscule game to waste a cartridge on, but it's a special edition. Who cares? Just print the dang cartridge. <laughs> I'll pay you... ten more dollars if you printed the dang cartridge. Uh, you would have paid like thirty extra dollars for the cartridge. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but let's talk about 
the big gun. Nintendo finally showed new footage of their sequel to The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Still untitled. And they finally dated the game. Or gave us a window at least. 2022 is the launch of the game. The teaser trailer showed a new longer haired Link with what seems to be a pretty messed up arm. Or a Chica arm of some sort now. It doesn't appear Zelda's playable. Um, Zelda seems to be uh, falling down into the depths of Hyrule Castle. And instead of the Sheikah Slate in this game, it seems like most of those powers are going to be within Link's arm. Um, and then as Nick notes here, no Master Sword in the game so far. Yeah, I maybe have been watching the Zelda Theory YouTube videos pop up ever since I got back from work. Uh, before this podcast and watching a couple of them, <laughs> I, I may be a bit too too deep in, in that rabbit hole, but it, it seems like exciting stuff. Um, mysterious uh, enemies that he's facing, the craziness of, like, at the start of the trailer, then too, he seems to be falling down, but then he's falling down to islands that are, like, floating in the air above the rest of the world, and, like, where is he falling from? What is the new outfit? What is the arm? It's It's very exciting. But yeah, what were you guys' thoughts on it? There's a train going by, by the way. Uh, this is a classic training stage meme. Uh, <laughs> you mean I'm not the only one who lives near trains? Oh, so you were the train I heard earlier. I, yeah, I thought it. I heard another one. It's the, the training stage. Uh, you guys probably already <laughs> made that joke. <laughs> I've, ma- I've made that joke many times, and John Oh, uh, no. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Right, John? That's, that, that's fun. Yeah, <laughs> I, hear it I, I will say so. At the very least, the last recording we did is the best cameo of the train that we've had. I think because it came in the middle of me ranting up a storm, and the train <laughs> just came in loud as I was getting loud. Yeah, it was funny. It was really, really good. <laughs> I think Corey's cat was going crazy. His roommate was sneezing up a storm or blowing his nose. It was just, it which, was something Which else. episode was that? It was the last one we just released on the Xbox Bethesda show. It's it's quite oh, a long oh, one, yeah. so. I'll have to check I'll that one to, out. I'll have to give that a listen. Yeah, it's it's the first, I would say it the first 30 fun. minutes are really, really, really funny. And then we get into like a good flow of conversation. But yeah, those first 30 minutes were really fun. <laughs> but. Trains, trains, and more trains. I'm, yeah, this looks good. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Jo- John, I'm really curious on your thoughts. We didn't talk much about Zelda. What do you What do you think yeah. about the teaser? It was a teaser. It was sure a teaser, yep. <laughs> That's, uh, so I'm very much on the outside looking in for, for this series and this game in particular. So hearing your perspectives on it is very much the I've played first one, or, I, or at least I have a huge interest into it. Whereas mine is just like looking in to see, like, just I'm seeing a trailer. How, what would it do to catch me for anything? And it was very just vague and lost to me. I could tell they were showing new gameplay that was like not in the previous one. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, it was a lot of just shot, shot, shot of this, shot of this. And, it, and the, the very long camera pause on the castle floating. Yeah. Which I think was just bad pacing or something something just happened there. You would and think, then next year. You would think that was probably where they were gonna put the logo in. 
Yeah. That's what I'm expecting oh, that the whole been time. Cool. Is that the logo was going to pop up. That's what I thought the yeah. entire time that shot was there, that the logo was going to pop up. Maybe that was the intention. And they were just like, yeah, maybe we don't want to share the title yet. They, they might be rethinking the title. Who knows? Yeah, they but might be. I would think... They might. I would think they would have it by now. Yeah, I would think so too. But uh, yeah, it's just it just it felt like a teaser trailer. Uh, there's not much I I can really grasp onto. It's just like I said, no title, and the date was uh not solidified. Yeah, so I just still didn't... I find insane that once again Starfield has a date, and this wasn't. <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy. Now. In terms of release window, what you, what are you guys thinking, John? I'm going to start with you. What do you think it's coming out? I th- if just I had to a, throw a guess, just give me a season. Fall. Okay. Nick. Uh, sorry if you hear a cat in the background. The cat um, thinks she has um, it for you. <laughs> <laughs> she's got her own opinions. Uh, a meow. <laughs> I mean, I'm still on the boat where. I got a feeling that this is going to be coming out whenever the Switch Pro comes out. Um, if that's maybe next year, if maybe that's getting pushed back for some reason or another. It just seems to have been the trend where every time a new main series big Zelda game comes out. Uh, we were mentioning too, yeah, even when um, uh, Link's Awakening Deluxe came out, that came out when the Switch Lite also dropped. Yep. Uh, but it seems like all these main uh, Zelda games are re- like dual releases, so even back to Twilight Princess was like released for the GameCube and the Wii at the same time, um, because the Wii was just so new. And it's like they start development on the previous console, but it just takes so long. They just get so ambitious and everything that it gets pushed back into the next console release. And they're like, yeah, we'll just release that as a flagship game as well. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Twenty twenty two fall would be great. Twenty twenty two summer. Uh, but I just remember the years and years waiting for the original Breath of the Wild to come out, and that one got delayed. Yeah, I'm many with you. many years. Yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, so I'm not holding my breath of the wild. Maybe. Oh, really you, you finished the pun. <laughs> uh, I wonder. Yeah, what the name of the next one could be? Um, it, it seems to like take place in like the underground, but then also. In these floating islands, um, it at least makes more sense why they're wanting to bring up again uh, Skyward Sword than now, because it seems like we're going to be tying back into Fallen from the Sky. Maybe the Loft Wings will be there. Who knows at this point? Oh, I hope Loft Wings are in there. That'd be neat. That'd be like, great. You got to have some way to get to the air, to the, these islands. Um, we saw like a clip where Link seems to be using his arm to fly up, kind of like a hook shot, but then he merged or he like ghosted through the yeah ground. through through the water what's it, going on with that yeah, that, yeah. that to me that's the most bizarre and, and intriguing part mm-hmm. they showed was him fl- flipping through the island through like this water portal like what is going on with that that seems so intriguing to me yeah i mean it's it seems like as uh yeah john was saying then it's just these these zelda trailers it's just like oh here what's the weirdest wackiest like <laughs> group of scenes like out of context out of order and, and just get everyone talking about it everyone wondering and sure enough people i don't doubt will be analyzing every single frame of this trailer for the next year or at least until the next one comes out but yeah. it's, it comes out 
it's kind of a shame because I wish they didn't announce this game so early because they could have announced it here with that first trailer combined with all of this. That would have been the hype bomb. Yeah, oh, I agree. Mm-hmm. I think they announced Instead it Instead of, early. yeah, the, the earlier... Uh, yeah, they probably direct. announced it too soon. Oh, they know they did when they had to have... Uh, I forgot his name. I knew come up on and say like, "Hey, uh, we got nothing. Oh, Fucking so nothing sad. right now." <laughs> yeah. In terms of uh, Breath of the Wild two news, uh, we have no news. Uh, it, we we got Skyward Sword HD. We know how much you love this game. I think Tyler's the only favorite, person right? that love. I I love Skyward Sword though, so I, it's I'm the only person. He was speaking like, right to me. I, I enjoyed it for what it was, is, is, but it was very linear, and I'm sure everyone kind of knows this, um, but it's interesting its tie then to Breath of the Wild, which was almost kind of a bit like from the backlash of it being very linear, so Breath of the Wild being like the most open world game ever in, for Zelda mm. games. Um, people were kind of making that connection uh, in the same sense that like Twilight Princess was kind of a lot more darker uh more realistic uh art style compared to how there's a lot of backlash originally at least for when wind waker's uh, more cartoony art style kind of came out um so there's there's some trends that you can see and uh, so yeah where it will go it's very interesting always upset about a zelda game until we're not upset anymore (laughs) (laughs) sketch when do you think it's coming out yeah i'd say probably November 2022 but uh, since the first Breath of the Wild came out kind of in the spring I could see it coming out in the spring but probably not spring of 2022 maybe spring of 2023 I guess the theory that it would wait until the Switch Pro is out is a decent one I, I hope can't, they don't wait that long. I can't say that I subscribe to that theory. I think the two releases are separate. I don't think they... For one thing, it. I don't want the Switch Pro to take that long. <laughs> yeah, I think the Switch Pro is entering production this summer, and they'll announce it this summer and release it this year. I mean, Wall Street That'd Journal... Cool. Uh, Wall Street Journal and uh, their reporting is pretty solid for the most part. And uh, I think Bloomberg also reported on the Switch Pro entering production, so... And this is the same thing that happened with the Switch Lite. The Switch Lite entered production in the spring and launch, or in the summer and launched in the fall. The same thing's going to happen here. They're not producing Switch Pros in the summer to hold on to them until next year. I mean, it doesn't make business sense. You want to mm. release the hardware that you've produced to make money so you can continue to produce more hardware. Well, of course and, they're going to release it in the fall. Yeah, yeah, it's, definitely. That's, you know, that's when they want to make their most money. And Tyler, I think I know where you're leading. If if that is true, we're, we're, what you imagine, I would think we would be getting is a 3D Mario alongside of it. When? Oh, uh, well, with the Switch. That Switch Pro. Whatever the name of it is going to be. I this year? Next year. No, I think it's out this year, is what I'm saying. You think it's out this year? Yeah, it's entering production this summer. Okay. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, is that I think it out in the fall no i'll get to 3d mario i have my own ideas about 3d mario i don't think i think this game well i think this console launches with metroid on october 10th 
or October 8th. That's my prediction. That seems like kind of an odd pairing, but maybe. I don't know if it's that odd. I mean, the pro model is going to be targeted towards core gamers. And of the games they have lined up this year, Metroid Dread is the most core game on their in their lineup. So to me, it makes the most sense to launch it with your most hardcore focused game. I suppose it is the most core game, but at the same time, it's not like the most intensive game. Yeah, would it be a system seller? Yeah, it would be the question. The thing is, do they have any intensive games? And I will get to this. There are no marquee games here besides Zelda. The marquee games are coming next year, but the yeah. hardware's enter- entering production now. So I think it's going to have a very soft launch, hmm. which is why I think it makes sense to launch it with the game that would be considered to be the most marquee, which is Metroid, of the yeah. Nintendo games. I feel like they would want to avoid the situation how it was with Xbox One S launch, where they're just Halo wasn't ready. I mean, Halo still isn't ready, uh, but like I mean, Halo wasn't... still isn't ready right now. Yeah, <laughs> we don't know when Halo will be ready. It's still in the oven. Jamar uh... Jamar predicted it, it won't even come out this year, which I'm actually in agreement okay. with. So if that's he has more insight, yeah, than any of us. Uh, I suppose. Yeah. Dang. Uh, but yeah, I mean, could we see another sort of flop or at least initial uh, flop if it, there isn't any? I mean, uh, assuming all Switch games will play on the Switch Pro, and they'll probably have better frame rates yes. and things. I mean, maybe that alone is enough. That's exactly. I'll probably be getting it. Yeah. That's exactly mm-hmm. what this is. It's it's not a new console per se, like an entirely new platform. This isn't the Switch successor. This is the new 3DS of the line, right? It will play all yeah. the old games. Some games will get patched for enhancements. But then all future first-party games will run better on the new hardware, right? And it will take advantage of the new hardware. But old Switch owners that still have a light or... Because they're not just going to get rid of the Switch light on the market. Um, I do think they'll eventually phase out the original launch model or the the model that they released with the new battery life. That model, I do think, will get phased out over time. Um, but they're just not going to leave 80 million players out in the dust because they're releasing a new Switch Pro model. That's why the whole thing of them having to launch a big game with it doesn't jive with me too well because I don't think they have to launch a big game with it. Like Switch Lite, like I said, launched with Link's Awakening. I wouldn't call Link's Awakening a huge game. It's an exciting game, and it was a great game. but Yeah, but the Switch Lite is a different beast than the Switch Pro, which is all about beefing up the hardware. But can't they do that with a game that already exists, though? That's, That's what I'm getting towards. We don't Perhaps. know the marketing they're going to do for Switch Pro yet. No, we don't. Like, we're all in the theory crafting phase of just like, yeah, it's going to be the big powerful thing we're going to push to gamers. Like, Nintendo has never done that since the 64. I don't sure. see them going back to that way. So it's going to be interesting seeing how they push a core pro model. And they could make it work with something like Metroid if we were to say with Tyler's. Uh, where, where you think it's going to land and, and launch. Uh, we'll get that direct in a couple of months. I think you might hear about it as early as July. I think the same thing is going to happen between what happened with the Switch Lite. I mean, Nintendo announces hardware and releases it three months later. That's their new strategy. They did it with the original Switch. They did it with Lite, and they're going to do it with this. 
the hardware's entering production. That's a known fact. They're not going to sit on it for 12 months. They're just not. It doesn't make business sense. So Plus where does that really leave? Had troubles with the stock. Yeah, but everyone's having trouble with stock. That doesn't prevent Sony yeah. from not selling PS5s. True. Well, trying to. Then. Trying to, right. That's why I'm <laughs> saying this is going to be a soft launch. They're not going to launch with a big marquee game. The closest game they have is Metroid. Yep. Next year is going to be the big marquee year. And it starts with it starts with Pokemon in January. Hmm. Zelda hits end of the fiscal year. That's my prediction. Zelda's out Next by year the Next year is nauseating altogether, by the way. Yeah, it is. It is. It really is. <laughs> That's my prediction right now, is that Zelda's out by the end of March. Uh, I think happen. I think they were aiming for this year to launch with the Switch Pro. I do think that was something they had tried to do. But with COVID and all of that, they just needed more time. And the fact that they finally put a 2022 date on it, to me, suggests it's not too far off. Now, we have other marquee games coming out next year. We have, like I said, Pokemon Legends. Splatoon 3 is coming. Project Triangle Strategy is not a marquee game, but it's a fairly, I would say, exciting game for core gamers. There's other games coming, and I want to talk about what they didn't talk about during this Nintendo Direct, and I think it paints a pretty clear picture for next year, and that next year is going to be the next big 2017 marquee year for Nintendo. I think the biggest absence from this showcase was Monolith. Monolith's almost done with that game they're working on. They're recording music for it right now. They're doing the voiceover. That's the last thing you do for a game's production. I would be shocked if we ended 2022 without that game on store shelves. Whatever it is. It's a Xenoblade game, but we don't know what kind of Xenoblade game it is. Could it be Xenoblade 3? Could it be X2? We don't know. My theory be very is... exciting. But yeah, yeah it's, it's very exciting. My theory is they didn't show it at E3 because it's going to it's it looks really good and they wanted to keep the focus on zelda i think whatever they're working on at monolith soft is going to be big what do y'all make of how many who's invested in monolith soft i i think that's the better question yeah i'm a big uh into the xenoblade games myself too yeah i even have x on the wii u i can't even read the text on it (laughs) on my current tv but I, I don't know if that ever... I, I hope it, that gets forwarded. I don't think I'll buy it a second time, but I feel like it's a it's a fun game. Um, even just not even for a Xenoblade game, but mm-hmm. just like an exploration of planet and surveying and everything. And you get to explore a giant robot. That's you get sweet. the giant robot, that's all you can ask. That's that's the one I haven't put any time into is X. So I, I want to get around to that game. Um... But I, I, the whole Wii U thing to me is kind of the turnoff. I, so I would love, I would love to, I would love to have that game ported to Switch. But what I do know, one hundred percent, is that they're working on a new game. They're working on an original Xenoblade, and um, the creative directors at the studio have come out and said so themselves that for a few years they've been stuck. They've been between three projects. After Xenoblade 2 shipped, they were between Torna, which was the DLC expansion, Definitive Edition, and the new project. Now it's up to the new project. That's the only game on their slate right now. Mm-hmm. Um, at least in that production room. Monolith's a very big company. They help with tons of games, right? Um, and they were also hiring for some sort of new action game. 
I don't know much about that. I don't think anyone does. They're being very tight-lipped about that. But Xenoblade's definitely coming. When that game gets announced, I don't know. I, it wouldn't surprise me to see that in the fall for a fall direct. But 2022 is, I think, when, when we're going to get it. Whether they announce it and they release it quickly or they announce it and they build up the hype a little bit, I, I don't know. I don't know. But to me, that's the big missing part here. The other missing part, and Nick, you alluded to this a little earlier, is Fire Emblem. And now I'm sure you've seen yeah. the same rumors that I've seen about yeah. there being a Fire Emblem remake, particularly one of Genealogy of the whole of, of the Holy War. And that would be cool. <laughs> th- that I think that's what they're doing. I think there's a remake, whether it's that or the GameCube games or whatever, the Game Boy games, whatever they're doing. The fact that Advance Wars is now being done in house suggests to me that that is still happening and will be announced sometime in the near future. Whether that's announced next year or this year in the fall, I don't know. But that's very clearly a 2022 release. Mm-hmm. There's another big game. I don't know if I wouldn't would you guys consider that a marquee release? Now the monolith game I would consider marquee. But would you say that that's a flag, you know, flagship game, Fire Emblem? A remake mm-hmm. in particular. Not really. I mean Echoes not quite. Did well and i i really enjoy that but that's not a i i would say i would say fire emblem at this point is like top 10 with nintendo but sure. not not top 5 yeah 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 no definitely hell laboratory also mia they're working on a kirby we don't know much about it Mm-hmm. Um, there were some data leaks within the Kirby Fighters 2 game that suggests they might be experimenting with some sort of 3D Kirby. Um, some of the studio heads have been teasing that they're taking Kirby in a new direction. Uh, a 3D Kirby would certainly fit a new direction for the series because they've never quite done it before, at least not on a big scope. That game to me seems like a definite 2022 release. I think so, and I and as usual, when it comes to Kirby games, when they show it, they show it once, and it's almost already out. Yep, I agree. So it probably probably spring, I would imagine. Yeah, they got some gaps in their release schedule next year. Yeah, they do, and I think it's especially apparent when you look at the fall lineup, which is slightly sparse. Um, it's not a packed Nintendo lineup, and it's a lot of smaller B tier games, which I'm totally fine with. COVID has messed up a lot of things in the games industry. Games that were supposed to come out, um, games that were planned to come out, that are now planned to come out in the holiday, probably would have already been out by now. In all honesty. That's how bad. I think everything in the industry has been pushed six months. Everything. Maybe even a year. That's the extent of how affected some of the um, game development has been. Kind of comes down to how how you develop games, and Nintendo is a particularly old schooler. Yeah, Uh, I can imagine their offices being very uh, not Windows ninety five bad, but (laughs) they had trouble. They had they they had trouble. Yeah, it seems too. Japan is still in the middle of the second or third wave. I don't know how to classify them anymore, but like they we haven't. 
been able to get the vaccine out to as many countries. We've honestly been very fortunate in the U.S. I feel compared to to other places, because um, they're like they're talking about having the um, the Olympics then still going on this year. I was going to mention this a little bit more on uh, our podcast. You should turn in tune into the <laughs> Dallas Anime Meetup podcast, whatever. But it's it, I don't know that they should be doing that. Um, bringing in so many people from around the world right now. I don't think is a good idea because there's so many people that have not been able to get the vaccine. And yeah. Yeah. I, I, I feel for them. Um, I really wish that I, I hope it can get out uh, to more places quickly in time, but places like Japan are still not doing so great. Which is why I'm thinking that we're seeing a lot of Western developed games come out now, right? Or European mm. games. Um, Metroid was developed in Spain by Mercury Steam. Uh, Advance Wars developed um, in California. Like, I think these are locations that were able to deal with the pandemic in a non-Japanese way. Now, WarioWare is a Japanese game. Zelda is a Japanese game. Uh, what was the other game that they announced? Uh, Mario Party is one as well. ND Cube is just ND Cube. They, they pump games out every year. Um, but... It's very clear to me that the Japanese developers have had a little bit of a harder time. Now, I think that we need to briefly talk about what's going on within the EPD groups because I think that's where the pandemic hit Nintendo the hardest. Obviously, Nintendo EPD has released games within the pandemic. 3D World plus Bowser's Fury came out. Um, Mario 3D All-Stars was a collaboration between all uh, many, many, many developers. Actually, 3D World was mostly... The port was done in Seattle, or Redmond, I should say, in, um, at NST, and then Bowser's Fury was developed in Japan, so it was kind of a cross... Um, huh. put out. Metopia was developed partially internally. They produced a couple games that were made by second-party developers. but So they're doing things, but the games that are being made specifically in-house are not coming out yet. So... The big rumor was, if you're a listener to the DK Vine podcast, which I highly recommend, I'm an occasional listener, but for two years now, they've been hitting towards a Donkey Kong game, and they have a lot of interesting information that I think is probably legit in saying that the Tokyo Nintendo team, which is responsible for the 3D Mario games, has established a brand new EPD group within that Tokyo building. Remember, they just, I don't know if you guys know this, but they just moved into an entirely new building a huge new building that houses Hell Laboratory, Game Freak, and Nintendo EPD. All in one building. Jesus. So, the word that's coming out of Japan is that they've established an entirely new EPD group within the Tokyo branch to specifically work on Donkey Kong because they wanted to bring Donkey Kong back in-house. And I think that lines up with the fact that Donkey Kong's getting his own amusement park in Universal, um, Donkey Kong is often referenced as a marquee franchise in like Nintendo press releases. And it makes total sense to me that they would want to bring Donkey Kong back in-house if they're going to give it that much attention. Yeah, I can see that. Donkey Kong, whether it's a 2D or a 3D game, I think it's a 2D game, but that's just me. Um, in fact, DK Vine has said it's some sort of 2D game, but it might be a 2D.5. I don't know exactly, but... Um, they also corroborated a rumor I had heard many years ago that there was another Donkey Kong in development outside of Retro, 
that was canceled for whatever reason. And the reason it was canceled was because they wanted to bring it all back in-house. And this, to me, lines up with the attitude Nintendo had with Metroid, that they wanted to bring Metroid back in-house, Metroid Prime in particular, because the work Bandai Namco was doing was not in line with their vision of that game. Um, But then there's also the big... The thing that I want the most, and it's 3D Mario. Where does that fit into the whole thing? I think it's being made. Is it a Switch game or not? I, I don't know. I sure hope it is. But could it be being saved for the next console? It's, it's possible at this point. What do you all make of this? Um, enough of my rambling. But that's that's kind of what I've been reading and, and uh, gathering from all sorts of different <laughs> sources and um, podcasts and whatnot. Just so, just so everyone here knows, and everyone that's listening knows, uh, I don't test Tyler's Nintendo knowledge. It goes deeper than anyone I know, <laughs> and you just witnessed that. Would you say that that it's a bit obsessive? I would say it's obsessive. It's, bit, <laughs> it's the right kind of obsessive, just, though. Just a tad. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I I am infinitely curious. And I'm also very willing to go to the deep parts of the web to find what I want. <laughs> but yeah, enough of my rambling. What do you all think? The one thing that wasn't announced that I would want more than anything at this point would be some sort of crossover Mario Kart. Yeah, um, yeah. Like, that's the way to bring back... F-Zero, even though he'd be driving as fast as the carts. Um, but, like, we already kind of were seeing this with the Mario Kart 8 DLC. Uh, mm-hmm. We had, like, Animal Crossing Villager, Link was there, Platoon was there, somehow. It's... It's, it's right the logical there. next step. Yeah, you got all these Diddy Kong Racing fans. <laughs> um, just throw them in there, too. Sure, why not? Like, it, it's the Smash Bros. of Mario Kart, but... Who knows what could happen with that? Um, I feel like, yeah, another 3D Mario is inevitable at some point, a sequel to Odyssey or something else totally out of left field. Um, but yeah. for me, I, I, another Mario Kart or some sort of racing game like that would be really great. Yeah, so just again, more of the obsessiveness here. Group 9, which is responsible for. Um, the Mario Kart series, which is led by um, Kosuke Yubuki. Yeah, Kosuke Yubuki is in charge of that team. And they're responsible for Kart and ARMS and Nintendogs and, and a couple other um, games in between there as well. Um, actually, a lot of that a lot of that team is made up of um, EAD people that worked on Luigi's Mansion. So that's where a lot of that core group comes from. Yeah, they've been very quiet. They've been particularly quiet since ARMS. We don't know what they're doing. I think it's very possible they've been working on some sort of cart game for Switch. Uh, if that did come out next year, that would be one of the biggest marquee games that they could promote. And I think that would be really, really amazing if they could get a game out. I've seen the theory go around that when Smash Brothers is done with DLC, they will announce an all-star Mario Kart. Yeah, yeah, that's a great theory, and um i would believe it i think marketing wise 
marketing wise it makes sense to me because they're gonna need another big exciting game with multiple characters to kind of sprinkle in reveal trailers for it and but as for now mario kart 8 continues to sell so yep why 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 mess that up <laughs> yeah that, that is the like thing. it's still yeah one of the top selling switch games like weekly like, like monthly like people are still out there buying it Honestly, mm-hmm. there's probably people at working at Nintendo like, I just want to make another Mario Kart. <laughs> Stop buying this one. Yeah. Um, I don't want to make Mario Party boards. I want to make a Mario Kart. <laughs> maybe they're doing Nintendogs and we're all wrong. And, and I would be very happy with that. <laughs> oh, man. Like, super HD Nintendogs. Wouldn't that be something? Yeah, that, that, it, would, it would sell like hotcakes, especially with the Animal Crossing audience. It would be mm. a big hit. Yeah, I'm hoping for more Donkey Kong, be that 3D or 2.5D. I want some more Donkey Kong in my life. I think the DK Vine guys know what they're talking about. They have... I imagine that they do. They have sources that are unparalleled. Like, they know what Rare is up to at every point in time. They know what Platonic's up to at any time. If they want information, they will get information. They are one of the oldest fan sites out there. So, yeah, I would trust what they're saying. Another 3D Mario is inevitable, whether it be for the Switch or the next console. Exactly. I think it, it really depends on how long they want to keep the Switch going. And I would not be surprised if they want to keep it going long enough for another 3D Mario game. That's where my head's at right now, is that they probably do want to go on a little longer than the average console. Because it's doing so well. Why, why abandon a really successful console? So a 3D Mario would fit really well into that equation. And let's face it, they didn't staff a lot of people on Bowser's Fury and the 3D All-Stars collection. In fact, a lot of the 3D All-Stars collection was done at IQ in China. A lot of that work was done out there. And internally, Nintendo did a lot of work on Sunshine in particular. But otherwise, IQ was doing most of the heavy lifting. Um... And Bowser's Fury was very clearly a very quick, like, experimental type of thing. Obviously, some of the staff is probably being siphoned over to Donkey Kong, but for them not to be working on a 3D Mario, to me, seems absolutely absurd. And they've probably been working on it since 2018. So it's very possible they announce it next year and it's out next year for the holiday season. Which lines up to what John's saying my head was at. Yeah, I do ne- I do think next year is headlined by Mario. What do you think Next Level Games is working on right now? It's a great question. I They're in production on a game. I don't have any insight into what that game is, but they are in production, like full production on whatever. I think they next. might be helping with Metroid Prime. That was a rumor. I wouldn't... Um, say no to that i wouldn't say absolutely no to that it's possible but what i understand is that they are working on some sort of game full-time i don't think that game will release next year but we probably will hear about it next year i would i would imagine same thing with good feels next game they're also doing a game with nintendo as far as i'm aware Mm. which is the yoshi's woolly world um epic uh woolly world and what was the other game called crafting world Mm-hmm. get those two mixed up all the time but yeah as far as i'm aware they're working on another game with nintendo they are they are getting into self-publishing but the uh studio head had come out and said 
while we do our primary focus is co- contract work and then we're also going to do these smaller new ip projects that we'll self-publish contract work means we're working with nintendo for them um they very rarely work with other people to the point where i'm like i don't know why nintendo just don't buy them at this point mm-hmm. i mean we're not talking like an arzest Um, EPD nine's quiet too, which is oh, EPD ten. My my mistake. They're kind of quiet. That's the two D Mario and the Pikmin team. I I don't know what's going on with them. Last I heard that they were hiring for a two D game of some hmm. sort, and we know they're working on Pikmin. I guess we're kind of due like for that? a new two D Mario. How what's long has done? it been for that team, Tyler? Like. For, it seems to be developed hello i'd imagine right now then so the thing with pikmin is that pikmin's always low priority at nintendo it's always being developed but they never give enough resources to get it out the door and that's always been the problem with pikmin and it doesn't help that the same production team also has the mario responsibility where they have to make 2d mario right yeah. uh their last retail release was super mario maker 2 which launched in 2019 so it's been two years since that they did some content updates and stuff for it um but then that game kind of fizzled out after a while my theory is is that once splatoon 3 and zelda are done resources then will shuffle over to the pikmin project and the mario game the whatever 2d mario they're working on that's my current mindset on, on what they're doing because i think internally right now they are focused on getting zelda and splatoon out those are going to be their two big hitters next year for Japan, uh, especially Splatoon for Japan, and Zelda will be good. Uh, will be a big hitter for Western markets, but then they'll finally have a chance to kind of siphon over some resources over to some of the smaller projects like a 2D Mario, a Pikmin, um, and I think this is going to be the only chance for them to get a Pikmin out because before you know it, the next big Zelda is going to be in full production. And the next game from the Animal Crossing Splatoon team will be in full production. So while they're kind of getting their things together in pre-production for those next games, that's the ample opportunity for Nintendo to siphon over some talent to Pikmin, to Mario, etc. 2D Mario in particular. I don't really, I can't really think of any other developers that. I mean, Grezzo is a common partner with Nintendo. They just released Miitopia. We pretty much know what Game Freak and all of them are working on. Um, so you think there might be another holiday title that they haven't announced yet? Yeah, I do think there is, actually. In the same survey that outed the WarioWare game, they mentioned a Brain Age game. Oh. Now, whether that's a new Brain Age or the one that Europe got last year, I don't know. But North America has not gotten that game yet. So that could be another holiday release for me. I, w- I would say that's pretty likely. Sure. Because the... And, it, and I should specify that the survey they sent out was specific to North America. Hmm. But, uh, but yeah, I think... I think that will be announced in the fall direct or even in a tweet, and it'll come out in November or December. I mean, Nintendo has done this many a times with their casual type of games, where they announce it and it's out in five weeks. They do this literally all the time. What I'm trying to say here is that there's a lot more that they didn't show 
They have things that they're working on. And um, Koizumi and um, uh, Shinya Takahashi said the same exact thing. Like, there's plenty of other games in production. This is just a this is just a sampling of what we're doing. Where'd that Bayonetta? I was gonna say, yeah, no info. Yeah, there's, there's no Bayonetta right now, and I don't know what's <laughs> going on with that. Platinum is working on Babylon's Fall. They they need to keep working on that. I think. I think Platinum. Them? Platinum's just too busy. I think Platinum got hit hard by COVID, like really hard to yeah, the point where possible. I think, I think some of the development just halted during COVID, and they're just now picking it back up. Which uh, lines up with Tamiya coming out and saying, uh, "That Bayonetta game, stop thinking about it." Yeah, it does. <laughs> it really t- does. Don't even talk to me about it at all. <laughs> like he he got interviewed. The one of the first questions was that, and he shut it down like that. It's just like no, I'm done with that. I don't want no, no mother three ports or anything to it. That's also just a no. Don't talk about it. It's uh, <laughs> a category. But yeah, I I I don't know. I I should clarify because I've done a lot of talking here about speculation. I don't have a birdie in my ear from Nintendo telling me all this stuff. This is all being accumulated from obsessive hours of reading, thinking, and watching like a hawk what they do. So, I don't know anybody else who knows exactly which franchises are handled by which groups at Nintendo. So, <laughs> I think I think you're on to something. Just to clarify, so if somebody listens to this, they don't take my words out of context because I, I really don't know anything concrete. Every once in a while, I will run into something online that nobody's reported on, and it ends up being true, so I keep an eye on that person. But usually that doesn't happen. Very rarely does that it's, happen. It's just uh, there's so much Nintendo blood in this guy that he tends to get predictions right a lot for Nintendo oh, stuff. Oh, I'm a shill. I'm not going to lie. I'm a shill. Yeah. I shill out that Nintendo. <laughs> but any wrapping, any thoughts to wrap up the conversation? I thought, I think it's a great conversation. I, I know I talked too much at the end, but. Oh, you're fine, man. <laughs> wanted to lay it all out. It, it really kind of emphasizes just how, uh, for how much that we did get shown here, there's still just a void. Yeah. That. They're probably gonna fill out really well next year. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, think, it seems like, like Nintendo just has a lot of spinning plates, and they gotta every now and then drop a couple to keep others spinning. There's just so many franchises that you just can't keep everyone happy. You can't release a game. You can't release a Kirby game. You can't release a Yoshi game. All these like all the same year, you know. So people that were saying like, "Oh, I hated this direct. Oh, it was." didn't have like the specific f-zero game that i wanted like just, just just hold on you know maybe you'll get your turn next year you know this year was kind of for zelda and for metroid and you know th- i think that's all right um there's a lot of other things too though. but yeah it's definitely an exciting time to be a nintendo fan i think maybe it's it's an optimistic time i think and i think the fact that they didn't completely blow everything out of the water during this e3 I kind of like how they're being a bit conservative with the reveals because to me it suggests that they have a plan. That they have a plan, they know how they're going to do this, they figured it out, now it's time to rock and roll. And that's the Nintendo that I think we've all kind of 
The, the Nintendo of last year, the Nintendo of the COVID times, is not the usual Nintendo. It, it was very frustrating last year to be a Nintendo fan because they refused to say anything um, because things were so uncertain. But I think now the fact that you see them fill out a holiday schedule, for the most part, with lots of question marks still in the equation, to me suggests that they know what they're doing and that they're playing us off, which is the Nintendo I love. <laughs> well, I mean, we've already mentioned that we feel like they announced Breath of the Wild 2 too soon. Yes. So keeping some things close to the chest is probably a better strategy. Yeah, I agree. And I think that especially applies to the Monolith game. Yeah. I, I, I still... Like, when they announced um, Mario Odyssey, I was like, oh, oh crap, new Mario game coming so soon. Yep. <laughs> do, yeah. do it like that. <laughs> yeah, which is why I don't think we're going to hear about Mario so soon. I think Mario could be announced at E3 2022 and, and released that fall. I mean, it could be that quick of a turnaround. Though, I mean, in the past, Mario games have been announced. They've been announced a year out sometimes, and then they've also been announced you know a few months out like 3d world was announced in june released in november um galaxy 2 was announced um a year actually like exactly a year out it was announced at e3 of 09 and then released june of 2000 or may of 2010 i think may yeah that sounds that sounds right to me in that frame but that's the game i want the most right now they could release nothing but Mario, 3D Mario, and I would be happy. <laughs> it's just, 3D Mario just fills the heart. Nick, do you have anything else to say? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's definitely been a ride, this uh, E3 2021. It kind of feels like that, that Mario party where it's like Luigi wins by doing nothing. Um, Nintendo kind of <laughs> tied it all up at the end. Um, with some, there were some good announcements every now and then, but yeah pandemic does seem to have hit a lot of these developers um so it's mm -hmm. yeah you know it's important like don't criticize people on twitter like oh i'm hating on i'm gonna send square enix like death threats and stuff like no don't do that it's not like anyone's fault really and especially not the developers the coders that have been probably working overtime and having to you know work tell remote and stuff um but it's you know i think things are starting to come back together Starting to get back into gear, and you know, hopefully we'll have some good experiences come out of it as a silver lining. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a great way to look at it. And I think 2022 is going to be a much more marquee year for Nintendo, like we've talked about. But I'm excited to enjoy some of these B tier franchises. I mean, I'm hyped for WarioWare, man. Like, I'm excited for mm -hmm. WarioWare to be back, and Advance Wars coming back, and a brand new 2D Metroid in HD. Like, that's so exciting. Yeah. It's like two sides to this coin. There's the, oh, there's no really big games coming. But on the other hand, oh, look at all these franchises they're actually doing something with. Yep, exactly. Yeah. If we don't support these, then we're not going to get more of these. Right, yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree. And with how well the Switch has sold, you've got to figure that these games will probably do better than many of their prior incarnations. Which is exactly. good. Good stuff. 
Yeah, I, I think oh. it was a I think it was a really good direct. John, would you like to rate the direct? Yeah, I was gonna say we should start grading these and uh I'm gonna give it a B plus. Uh really good show. Good pacing, but that's the baseline for directs at this point. If they mm-hmm. somehow fuck up the pacing of a direct, something's gone horribly wrong. Um they started out Smash, like that seems to be where what their go to has is gonna be even for this last I imagine this last one if it it's is always direct, first or last. Yeah. They're probably gonna put it last for this last character. Hopefully it's it's big as we as we expect it to be. Are you gonna but, hear bum, bum, bum. <laughs> 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 or that would be that would be the way to end it all. <laughs> Master yeah. Chief just comes out in a warthog <laughs> and smashes through the screen. <laughs> That'd be awesome. And then the Is way that to top it off, hard then... rock eye here. <laughs> <laughs> they gotta just throw in Waluigi at, at the end as a bonus fighter, like like plant. Just be like, oh, and, and also he's finally here. Sure, okay, shut up. No, what if <laughs> I, never I have... ask me for anything again? I have yeah. a suggestion. What if Waluigi is on the back of the warthog onto the turret? Oh, perfect. Man. <laughs> Nintendo's got to hire you. <laughs> I'm your toe. <laughs> what? <laughs> Waluigi number one. <laughs> I'm perfectly happy with the neck on the ground and the foot on his throat this entire time forever. Get up, soldier. <laughs> Uh, but no, this was just a super solid show, which, like, like l- let me just say for context, compared to everything else that's happened at E3, this was an A-plus show. Except yeah. Devolver. Which is S-tier. That's a S- it's the best show that we had. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I stand by this. Like, usually when we did, we did grades and Devolver come around, it's such a different show that we didn't treat it on the same level. No, this time I'm going to treat it on the same level and Devolver just shut out everyone for <laughs> a really funny show while still showing you games that you want that you want to play at least something there and keeping it short. Something that a lot of these shows, especially the indie ones, completely failed at doing and just either gave you way too much content that just you, everything starts to wash over and you just start not to retain any of it or stuck around too long and just was unnecessary to have it be that way. Like a lot of what we saw for, for here, I'm hoping we're hoping that if we get E3 next year, we're going to get it this year, of course, that because we'll be past more of the COVID stuff, we'll get more people back to offices and you'll have more of a better timeline from development and they could sync things up better for E3. Maybe we'll get a, a return year that actually is more sustainable. If not, and trust me, I kind of want it to be a no because fuck the ESA, still to this day, forever and ever. This is this. I I don't think this. I I I just really hope next year goes better. But you know, I think well. I think Adam Sessler from G Four, yes, G Four is back. Said it best. The biggest winner of E three twenty twenty one was twenty twenty two. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> No, like Adam Sessler still got it. <laughs> yeah, he yeah, does. He does. <laughs> he does. Uh, 
there's you can also say what I've been saying for the past three years. The winner is PlayStation for not showing up. <laughs> uh, Sony. <laughs> That's the only winning move is not to not to play. <laughs> I think they'll do something soon though. Um, Sony will. Yeah. Kojima said it. It's gonna happen. It, yeah, Kojima did say he's gonna share something in a few weeks. So. The, the chance of that being himself and not a PlayStation event type thing is... I just don't see it. I think that's slim, yeah. Um, but y'all can grade the show, too? Yeah, grade the show, please. Nick? Mm, I'll give it five Metroids out of six. <laughs> what, is that? What, yeah. is that in a le- what is that in a letter grade? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'd say a a minus or so. Like, no Xenoblade, no news on Bayonetta and stuff. That, that would have definitely pushed it over the top. But, I mean, I'd, I'd say it was definitely passing. Yeah. Um, my favorite, I, I guess I, I kind of missed out on Devolver, but otherwise, for sure, my favorite uh, presentation of E3 was this year. Oh, we got to get you to watch Devolver then. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I gotta check that out. I guess that's the one I missed. Uh, check those they always put on quite course. a show. Yeah, they do. Sketch, what about you? B++. Mm, I respect that. I'm gonna go B+. Because I feel like it's more than a B+, but less also than not, an A-. Yeah, also not A-. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so I think overall the strongest suit the, the strongest part of the show is the fact that they lined up that holiday right there's a release coming every month from september to january warrior war september metroid and mario party in october pokemon in november which they didn't show i do think they'll show those soon though uh advanced wars in december pokemon legends in january i mean that's a stacked lineup of games a really strong lineup of games plus shimagami tensei in november which is an exclusive and cruising, which is coming out sometime um, next year or this year, I should say. Uh, and then you look at the 2022 lineup already. Like I said, Splatoon Three, Zelda, it's just looking good. It's just looking really, really good. I think Nintendo's getting back on track. I just say, just I just I really need to emphasize this. I closed every tab except the cruising blast one because it, I I just it looks like someone ate Skittles and threw up on the screen. It's that colorful and bright and painful to look. <laughs> <laughs> I don't rainbow. like it, but man. I like it. I if it was an arcade, I'd love it. I would want to see that on my on my mm-hmm. TV screen. <laughs> oh god, that's all I want to say. That's what throw at it. Well, I think that wraps up this last day of E3 2021 for all of us here at the Training Stage Podcast. I want to say thank you to all of you that listened to all five days of our silly coverage of this horrible e3 i would have rather gotten cold in my stocking than have to sit through some of those painful press conferences but i i truly believe nintendo brought the spirit of e3 back in some way shape or form and we got that match rate and i i think that's about enough for me listen we got the ultimate monkey's paw and that was oh you want elden ring to exist all right the rest of the show is gonna be shit (laughs) yeah yeah so, I want to end by giving our guests time to plug their stuff. Nick, I'm going to start with you. Um, 
what would you like to plug? Where can they find you on Twitter? And anything else you'd like to say? Ooh, uh, so I'm not all that uh, active. I have a Twitter, but it's mostly just for me to follow other people. Um, gotcha. I have a Tumblr, but good luck. You can find me on Tumblr, but I don't really want to give out my Tumblr. That's fine. You don't um, have to. Like, I'm, I'm looking into maybe getting into to more being active and, and wanting to be more just active in social media, but also just from my short time being on Tumblr, I, or on Twitter in particular, I don't know that I really want to be more active uh, from some of the other comments and things I've seen on there. But yeah, if you're ever in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, uh, definitely check out Dallas Anime Meetup. Um, pretty sure we're one of the biggest like meetup groups, and especially for anime and video games. And we just toast like monthly uh, discussion meetups. So it's like a book club, but we watch anime instead and then talk about that. And we also just have tons of uh, events that are opening back up now that the restrictions are lifted, uh, where we have dinner nights, sushi nights, ramen, uh, go see anime movies, go just do whatever conventions, you know, you name it. Um, it's, it's been pretty fun. I've been a member of the group for a few years now. And yeah, definitely, it's, it's a good, good group of guys and girls. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, and, and for those that are not in the Texas area, um, you can listen to the damn podcast on YouTube. I will yes. put a link down to that in the description. And you can also check out on that channel, uh, I think Corey records a lot of the uh, streams of us playing Danganronpa. Um, it's it's pretty fun. Sometimes uh, it does go on a little bit. These are these are very long games. Um, I don't know if I really realized that when I got into it, but it's been a ton of fun. Everyone really enjoys uh, voicing all the characters. And if you maybe want to get caught up uh, before playing the new Danganronpa board game or whatever it is, uh, you can check out our, our recaps of all the, the games, uh, cool. at least up to Danganronpa 2 so far, which is where we're currently at. But yeah. Awesome. So link in the description for that. Sketch, what about you? Where can they find you on Twitter? Uh, anything you'd like to plug in? Any parting words? Well, you can find me on Twitter at Sketch1984. It's probably the easiest way to get in contact with me. Um, yeah. And of course, you can listen to the Toonami Faithful podcast. Did you know Toonami's been back on the air since 2012? It's still there. Every Saturday night at midnight on Adult Swim, and we talk about it almost every week. Usually every week, but we have some off weeks sometimes. And you can find that at podcast.toonamifaithful.com and on soundcloud.com backslash Podcast or your preferred podcast listening whatever. We're on everything. Uh, iTunes. Uh, uh, <laughs> It's everything. Google Podcasts. Uh, go Google Podcasts. Uh, Spotify. S Stitcher. Spotify. Yeah, we're 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 on everything now. <laughs> iHeartRadio. <laughs> maybe, oh, wow. maybe. Maybe. Uh, I think we were on Radio.com for at, at some point. Wow, Radio.com might still be. I might be mixing that up with something else. But yeah, we're. If you have a favorite podcast line, just search Toonami or Toonami Faithful. You'll probably find us. We have a lot of episodes. We've, uh, we've, we're have we on uh, around 360 episodes. And we do a lot of fun interviews. Uh, some that we did recently. Uh, uh, we, we had 
the voice of Soma Yukihira from Food Wars, Blake Shepard. And we also had um, the guy playing his dad, which was an absolute riot. Um, yeah, lots, lots of fun stuff. So that's all on the SoundCloud. It's all on the website. So give it a listen if you're interested in anime or Toonami. Then they have some upcoming original series that we're going to have a heavy focus on later this year. Mm -hmm. uh, an original series called Finna, Pirate Princess, coming from Production IG. Looks awesome. Yeah, that's getting uh, a look at Annecy tomorrow, actually, really? when, from when we're recording this. Ooh. Hopefully we'll have some news about that. And the Blade Runner Black Lotus anime is also allegedly airing this year, but Uzumaki got pushed back till October of 2022. <laughs> mm -hmm. 2022 and, and like, I'm looking at like, hmm, Breath of the Wild and Uzumaki both in 2022. And also Shenmue the animation is coming, which I will say was one of those rare things that I had uh, known That's about true. prior to it being announced. So it's funny because I had heard about a Shenmue anime coming. I had no idea Adult Swim was co-producing it. That was the surprise to me. I was like, oh, that, shit. That was rather <laughs> unexpected. It was. It really, really was. Yeah, because there were rumblings about a Shenmue animation happening that they were going to um, announce. Like, it wasn't a new game, but it would be taking place. It was like, all right, yeah, the animated series. Got it. But I had no idea mm -hmm. Adult Swim was co-producing it. If I may give a suggestion for people to listen to the Toonami Faithful podcast, listen to the DeMarco interview that you guys did. Um, oh, yeah, we did De uh, We did interview DeMarco recently this year where we talk about running the block during COVID times. And uh, he couldn't say much about the originals because, you know, hush hush and all that. But Yeah, uh, yeah. We had some good conversation. It was a really short interview compared to our prior interviews with him because he's a very busy guy. He is. I mean, he's apparently helping to produce that lord of the rings animated film yeah which is wild yeah he's a he's he's a busy guy and he's also doing all the music stuff over there at adult swim i i i, yeah. I just found that interview very fascinating because it was kind of a look into how things are operating within the anime industry during covid and i i found that very, yeah. very fascinating that's uh that was what i was hoping to get across because i find that kind of stuff fascinating yeah, it was. It was. It was it, the moment it popped up, and I was like, "Oh, I, I gotta listen to this. This is cool." Yeah. So that's not a big commitment. It's like a twenty-minute interview. So yeah, yeah. Maybe start there. Yeah, I. That's where I would. I would recommend that one for sure. Yeah, guys. Uh, thank you for joining us. It was a pleasure. Both of you are welcome back anytime. That is it for E three twenty twenty one. John and I will be back on next Wednesday with a kind of going over our predictions, seeing who was right. Um, I don't think I got anything right. <laughs> I got two. I John got might have... It's a miracle. I sh you know, you know, Nick, you know what I should do? Because I listened to a bit of your guys' podcast, your predictions. Yeah. Episode. I should go through, pick out every single one of Corey's predictions, and call him out on all of them. <laughs> I was just opening that up. I had that document going on while I was reading uh, your guys' document, too. I was, I was seeing we, we had maybe one or two things. Uh, but a lot of it, because it was like kind of combination of his research and, and my looking into some leaks and yeah, it was about maybe 50, 50%. Yeah. Yeah. Leaks I, are very, leaks are very useful for gathering information. You just kind of got to know who to trust and who not to trust. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, it's yeah. been fun. 
Thanks yeah. Again. Yeah. So much for having me and everything. It's yeah. Really yeah. It was, it. it was it was a pleasure, and and same to you, Sketch. It was fun, but we gotta head off here. Uh, so thank you all for listening, and we will catch you next time on a normal episode. See y'all later. Peace. Bye. Have a good one. episode please leave us a review on itunes sign up for the newsletter so you never miss an update hey jordan hey wilson hey i have a question for you yeah man shoot what's up who do you think is the most famous video game character of all time? Ooh. Um... So while you're thinking, I have a little story for you. I was talking to my parents this week, and this podcast was on my mind. So I played a little game with them. I sent them pictures of a couple of video game characters, and I asked them to identify them. They are both in their 60s. So I sent over Mario, and they nailed it. They knew exactly who Mario was. I sent over Pikachu, and they knew that one right off the bat as well. And then I sent over Link. And can you guess what they called Link? Oh, not Link. Not Link, yeah. They, they called him Zelda, uh, but they still knew who he was. They knew exactly what game he was from. They still recognized him. They just didn't know his name was Link. So what is your answer? Uh, most famous character. I, honestly, I think, I think it is probably Mario. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think it's Mario. And I think number two is probably Pikachu. But I do think Link is number three. Even if a lot of people get his name wrong, he is a very recognizable character. And the reason I bring this up is because, as you know, we are going to be talking about Link and about The Legend of Zelda a whole lot this season. Welcome to the talk through. And I'm Jordan Moore. We hope you'll join us as we journey through the world of video games, books, music, and whatever else we want to talk about because you don't control my life anymore, Mom. (laughs) That's right. This season, we're going to be working through A Link to the Past, the Super Nintendo installment of the Zelda franchise. Yep. And basically how this works is for the first episode, we're going to start with the history, the context of the game, get into maybe any past experiences we have with the game or the franchise. And then talk about any expectations we have going into this playthrough. Yeah, and if you'd like to join along, we'll be playing through the game in sections. 
So each week we'll let you know how far we're going to go for the next episode. So run out and grab yourself a copy. What do you think, Jordan? You ready? Let's do it. So yeah, do you want to share what you learned about the history of The Legend of Zelda linked to the past? Yeah, I mean, let me... I mean, there's a lot, so feel free to jump in with some of the, the things you've picked up. But there, there's starting with kind of just the creators, right? I think that uh, most people are familiar with at least people with some knowledge of the game industry are familiar with Shigeru Miyamoto, right? Mm, yeah, like this guy's uh, he's the dude. He's the dude. He's the guy behind Donkey Kong, Mario, um, apparently Nintendogs, which you know, oh yeah, I have uh, F Zero. A uh-huh. Star Fox and Pikmin. Yeah, yeah. All all credited to this dude. So, aside from just uh, Shigeru Miyamoto working on the original Legend of Zelda, the very first one, which came out on Famicom in Japan. Famicom Disc. Right, yeah. So, I th- I've only ever really known, you know, Miyamoto Legend of Zelda, right? But there were two other people... And this is this is what I found really interesting that we're kind of it's kind of like a three man team from uh, at least creative design from what I can tell, which is Shigeto Miyamoto being kind of like the gameplay design guy, right? I don't know if you you ran into any of this. But... I ran into one other name, so I'm interested to see what your third name is. Yeah, well, tell me tell me who who you ran into. The other one, I it was Shigeru Miyamoto and Takashi Tezuka. Uh huh. Yeah. I didn't, those, those were the two that I saw credited with like creating Zelda. Okay, so this is going to be really fun then when I tell you about the third one. But let's talk about Takashi Tezuka first, right? So along with Miyamoto, this guy actually also worked on Super Mario Bros., right? Nice. Which is interesting because although Miyamoto did uh, design the original Super Mario, or now I can't remember what it's called, but the literally the cabinet, like Arcade Mario, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Takashi was part of the design for Mario as we know him on uh, the Nintendo Entertainment System, that like side-scrolling platformer, uh, plumber. I mean, in the original arcade, he uh... wasn't even a plumber. He was a carpenter, and Miyamoto shifted his like thematic design to being So you see, like... Miyamoto came up with like the Mario that's in Donkey Kong. Yeah, yeah. And then Takashi came up with like the the Mario that's in Donkey Kong, and then made a standalone like Mario arcade cabinet game. Oh, I didn't know that. It's called I I think it's called Mario Bros. with Mario and Luigi. Oh, where they're jumping around on the shells and you're and there's the pipes. Exactly. It's got the pow in the middle. Yeah. Uh, But anyway, so kind of. Getting back to Zelda, uh, Takashi worked with Shigeru Miyamoto uh, on Super Mario Bros. and then uh, came in to write these. Yeah, he's actually the writer, right, uh, for The Legend of Zelda as far as the actual story. And uh, interestingly, inspired by Tolkien, I guess, which is why he wanted to kind of create this fantasy type world for this game. Yeah, also, it does seem like strangely like. European, not maybe not strangely, but it mm-hmm. seems like the the setting of Zelda is like European rather than the Japanese. Yeah. Uh, side note on Taka- Takashi, which I think maybe you've seen, and I know that would specifically interest you, is that he also helped design uh, Yoshi, 
uh, in the, the Super Mario Bros. world because Miyamoto basically said that he wanted, you know, he wanted a dinosaur that Mario could ride and Takashi was part of designing Yoshi. Oh, wow. Legend. Yeah. So here's the super interesting part about the three creators of the, the original uh, Legend of Zelda, the first one. Is there's a third guy, Keiji Karui. This guy is the person that wrote the manual backstory for the original game. As in the actual, like, you know, old school game, you get a manual that comes with it that tells you, like, because, I mean, the original, you look at Famicom and then also even the the NES, we're looking at bits, right? These games are very bare bones. So a lot of the story would actually come through in manuals that you get. You Mm -hmm. you know, you you open the case and with the game, the cartridge is that manual. I could have sworn that I hadn't really played any of the older Zelda games until I saw this manual and it instantly sparked memory of, of playing this on NES. I must not have owned this game, but I must have played it at a family member or something. It's like this gold. It's it's really kind of recognizable if you've seen it before. Uh, it's just the, the cover is pure gold, just like the cartridge. And yeah, it's like 50 pages long. Literally like 50. It's like, the first 10 pages, I think, go through the story of Zelda, and then there's tips on how to play the game. There's like a map of the overworlds. But yeah, so Keiji Terui is the guy that was in charge of writing manual backstory. And I'm not okay. really sure where, what Takashi came up with versus Shigeru versus uh, Keiji, like where those things kind of intersect or where they where they diverge, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I just thought that was super interesting. There were these other two kind of figures behind the story and creation of Zelda. Right, yeah, I feel like Shigeru is the one, yeah, he gets credited with it a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Disclaimer, this is all this this is all wiki information, right? So yeah. I'm, I'm I don't <laughs> Check your sources, kids. This, right, there's always an asterisk on this, but uh that first Legend of Zelda game came out on Famicom in Japan, like you were saying, uh, February twenty first, nineteen eighty six. Uh, released on the NES a year later, roughly, right? The second one was released less than a year after the first game and before the actual first game came out in North America on the NES. But yeah, before we get to the second one, I do have a little more about the first game. So some more stuff about uh, inspiration. So... As far as I could tell, it seemed like Tezuka and Terui were more in charge of the story elements, and Miyamoto was more focused on gameplay, apparently. Yeah, I've heard. Yeah. So, so I, I read a couple um, interviews with Miyamoto, and there's like two that kind of stuck out. There's one that was like right when Link to the Past came out, and there was another like right when Breath of the Wild, or right before Breath of the Wild, the, you know, the newest iteration. Um, and in both of them, he kind of expressed that like story was of secondary importance to him. Yeah, you know, he's like, I want players to get in there, I want them to have fun, and you know, maybe they absorb some story just from the setting and and stuff. But I don't want the story to get in the way of them playing the game and having fun with it. I thought that was interesting. And I mean, if you, if I have not really played much any of this series and we'll get into that but I, I mean obviously if you play games i think in general you're still somewhat familiar with zelda and, and how that gameplay works right and yeah. miyamoto said that 
kind of the inspiration for the gameplay for this was all about like evoking that feeling of exploration. And I guess this derives from his childhood in Sonobei, Japan, which is kind of the Kyoto prefecture. I'm not sure if that's similar to what we consider like a county in the U.S., but that Kyoto, Kyoto area, I guess, where he grew up, uh, he spent a lot of time like exploring nature, finding caves and exploring them with, you know, just holding a lantern, uh, coming across like ponds that he didn't know was there, things like that. And he wanted to give players that feeling of kind of exploring nature and very specifically I have quotes of, of saying he wanted to bring players a miniature garden for them to play within. That kind of like sandboxy exploration uh, idea, right? That reminds me of um, Pokemon. And I don't know the gentleman's name, but the, the creator of Pokemon you know, said he was inspired by catching bugs in his backyard as a kid. And I, I think it's, yeah, it's delightful that these just legendary gaming franchises were inspired by these guys like wandering around and playing as kids and wanting to recreate that experience. Yeah, definitely cool. I do have some small kind of fun fact things from the first game as well, as far as uh, story inspiration. I've already kind of touched on that Lord of the Rings thing from Tezuka. Some other things, uh, which may be more obvious, less obvious, Master Sword, I guess, is inspired by Excalibur. Oh, nice. Uh, Link and the fairy creatures are inspired by Peter Pan and Tinkerbell. Mm. Again, wiki, asterisk. Yeah, I think I came across that same thing now. Cite your sources, but... (laughs) <laughs> it makes sense like it's one of those things where someone could definitely I mean, we're not gonna do it here but right yeah could. it's one of those things that you you can look at it and say huh you know that makes sense but you could also see how someone could connect that dot when it shouldn't be but interesting yeah. and then uh one of my favorite ones is i guess zelda the name zelda oh comes from i was so excited to share this anecdote. go for it do it do it do it yeah so the name zelda comes from Miyamoto coming across the writing of Zelda Fitzgerald, the uh, wife of author F. Scott Fitzgerald. And, uh, you know, I've actually known this for a long time, or this has been a very fun fact that I've had in my brain for, for years and years and years. Um, originally, I had heard it as he was a big fan of her because she was a writer too. This most recent time that I came across it, what I read was he just thought it was a cool name. Yeah. yeah that's it pleasant and significant that's what I, <laughs> that's what I, that's what i have quoted pleasant it and is a good name it is a cool yeah it's a good name uh chose he guaranteed well. that nobody would connect it to zelda fitzgerald ever again so yeah that's the original came out in 1986 uh and then after that 1987 so a short year later they released zelda 2 the adventure of link I have one one thing on my notes about this game, and that it was hated. Yeah, I mean, the reception on the second uh, Link game definitely was poor, from what I understand. Just as maybe speculation, and then maybe the creation of these older games happened faster anyway, because they were, you know, there's I guess less involved in what you're making there. There's less to work with. I'm not sure. But it does make me wonder if the fact that the second game came out less than a year after the first game had something to do with the dislike of the game. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I mean, they they changed up quite a bit. They, you know, I think 
they, they introduced a bunch of new elements. I mean, it was like the primary action sequences were all side scroller. It was like mm-hmm. really different than than the original one. Yeah, that's true. The, I mean, the gameplay is when you completely change the gameplay design in that way, which is interesting because I mean, obviously, uh, Miyamoto had a bunch of success with side scrolling. With Mario already, right? So it's, yeah. it's it's interesting to me that they weren't able to convert that into a fun game that was Zelda themed. I mean, I guess the idea of the games are different, right? But you think that maybe they would have executed a little bit better on that? Um, yeah, that's interesting. Where my mind goes is the idea, like having a, a direct sequel. You know, the first game was very successful. Uh, and you have this direct sequel and it's going to be a very different game. Like mm-hmm. the gameplay is going to be very different. Like that's an idea that is just inconceivable nowadays. Like, do you imagine if somebody came out with a game and it was like widely successful and then the next game they're like, all right, we're going, we're changing it from a first person shooter to a, you know, a, a real time strategy game. But you th- you're right. And yet, if you think about it, that's even today, that kind of philosophy has permeated Nintendo's like design philosophy. I feel like, I mean, look at their consoles. Yeah. The Wii was wildly successful and yet they insisted on switching it up and the Wii U was not super popular, but they switched it up. They like every console has been a completely huge shift from the last one. That's um, true. There are some don't broke, uh, you know, not broke. Don't fix it situations like Mario Kart's pretty much the same game every time, but yeah um yeah it's like nintendo is this weird dichotomy of like sticking with the same thing and just iterating it and then also these like big leaps mm-hmm. of like trying these risky things yeah i, I it one, one i guess important note here is that uh this was the second uh this was the last game that takashi worked on as a writer so he did also work on this game as a writer oh. um i'm not sure if uh Terui did, but I know that Tezuka was part of uh, the writing team for. I mean, he's a hit hit himself, himself. He and Miyamoto, Miyamoto and he, they, those two uh, are pretty much attached to every Zelda game from the first on. But as far as actual writing credit goes, uh, the Adventure of Link was the second last one that Takashi has writing credit on. Hmm. Uh, do you want to talk? Should we talk kind of about the story? So my my impression of the story of the first one mm-hmm. is Princess Zelda has been kidnapped by the evil Ganon. Mm-hmm. Go fuck him up. Yeah, I mean that's that's basically true, right? Like I, those old games have what's the word? Light. Right. Yeah. It's it's very shallow in a way. So. The quick rundown is Hyrule's in an era of, or I guess uh, this age is called the era of decline, right? So Hyrule's a small kingdom. Most people are living in caves. Ganon oh. comes along with his army, Ganon, the Prince of Darkness. He oh. takes uh, the Triforce of Power, right? Sounds cool. This, this thing that's supposed to give a wielder great strength. And I think a lot of this actually is coming from uh, when I was kind of skimming through the manual. A lot of this is coming directly from that manual, right? Uh, to do it. That third, that third writer. Um, so 
I guess Ganon takes this Triforce of Power, uh, takes great strength. He's like taking over uh, Hyrule. Princess Zelda takes the Triforce of Wisdom. So obviously the Triforce is these not uh, Triforce, obviously three things, but uh, there are three pieces to it. The Triforce of Power, the Triforce of Wisdom, and then this is a third piece that you actually apparently don't learn about until the second game. So in order to prevent Ganon from collecting all the pieces of the Triforce, uh, she breaks the Triforce of Wisdom into eight parts and hides them in dungeons, right? And then right before she gets kidnapped by Ganon, her nursemaid, Impa... Whoa! Her nursemaid, Impa, she tells her nursemaid to go find someone... That Some can, dude. ...that can save Hyrule. <laughs> and so she's out looking for someone to save Hyrule. She gets attacked by Ganon's, like, thugs, a gang of Ganon's thugs. And then Link comes along and saves her. And she basically tells uh, Link what's going on, that, you know, Hyrule's in need of a hero. He decides, why not? He's going to save Hyrule. Uh, he's going to save Zelda. Not doing by anything today. No, yeah. Uh, reassembling the Triforce of Wisdom, which he will use to defeat Ganon. So it, the rest of the game is basically, you know, you go to the eight dungeons, you defeat the guardians of these Triforce fragments in the dungeons, and then you infiltrate Death Mountain, which is where Ganon is. Yeah, very uh, on the nose there. You destroy yeah. him with this something called the Silver Arrow, which I don't really know what that is or how that relates to the Triforce of Wisdom. Okay. And then Link gives the Triforces of Power and Wisdom to Zelda, restoring peace to Hyrule. And that's the entire story for the uh, the first game, right? It's amazing how many of those elements repeat, like several of those things, you know, Impa and Death mm. Mountain mm-hmm. and shooting Ganon with an arrow at the very end. Those are in Breath of the Wild. Right. So here's where some things come up going into the story. The second one, which kind of blew me away. One, reading reading the synopsis of the story, it says six years later, Link is now 16. Which, boom, mind blown. <laughs> I did not realize in the first game that apparently a Impa has decided to put the weight of like the well-being of the entire nation-state of Hyrule on the shoulders of a 10-year-old child. <laughs> Link, yeah. Very responsible. Um, definitely could not have find, found anyone apparently more able-bodied. So yeah, so the adventure of Link jumps six years into the future, right? He's 16. And he gets like some mark on the back of his hand and he goes and talks to, I think he talks to Impa and oh, let me find this. Yeah. So Impa takes him to this like door that's been sealed and magically sealed for generations. The door opens and apparently there's a Zelda in there, which is not the Zelda from the first game. It's a princess of Hyrule from long ago oh. and the origin of the titular Legend of Zelda, right? So the Legend of Zelda is actually about, apparently, this original Zelda. So the original Time Traveler? Zelda, no, no, no. She's she's in like a magical sleep. Oh. She's been locked away, right? So apparently her, her father dies way back when. And her brother tries, for some reason, she's the only one that her father's entrusted with the secrets of the Triforce. Her brother tries to get her to reveal these secrets. She refuses. Uh, her brother's wizard friend tries to strike her down with a spell. She falls under a, a sleeping spell. 
the wizard dies. Uh, her brother, super sad about all this, right? <laughs> like his friend's dead. His, his oh, no. uh, sister's in an irreversible magical sleep. Dumbledore. Uh, locks her away in a castle hoping she can be woken up one day and decides that from now on, every princess born from here on out is going to be named Zelda in remembrance of <laughs> his sister. They're uh, all Zeldas. So apparently this mark on Link's hand means he's the one that's supposed to awaken Zelda and he has to do this by like he gets these a chest with these crystals and only the future king of Hyrule can read these crystals and so Link can read these these whatever it is on these crystals and then he has to take them to all these different castles these diff six different palaces and put them in statues and then he'll be able to open the great palace and that's where that third Triforce so we, we, in the first game we see the Triforce of Power and the Triforce of Wisdom so this is where you learn about the third one, the Triforce of Courage. Oh. Uh, and apparently only by combining all three can Zelda be awakened for whatever reason. You know, because, because reasons that this is how you wake her up. Uh, <laughs> and I guess the the like the bad guys this, this whole game are just Ganon's followers trying to kill Link because for, again, reasons sprinkling <laughs> Link's Sprinkling Link's blood on Ganon's ashes will bring Ganon back to life. Oh, so Ganon's not even around. They just want no, right. they want it's, to bring him back. Right, yeah. And it, it just gets weirder from there. Like, Link goes to the Great Palace once he's restored all the crystals. Uh, he battles a flying creature known as Thunderbird. Oh, nice. And dope. Another fun fact, this is actually the game that first introduces Dark Link. So, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, uh, I guess somewhere around this Great Palace Thunderbird fight part, uh, he's followed by his shadowy doppelganger, Dark Link. And then he gets he gets the Triforce of Courage, wakes Zelda up uh, after putting all three pieces together, and that's the second game. It works out. Yeah, so the reason that it's spoil spoilery to talk about games one and two in the Zelda series before you play the third one is that basically after apparently the second game all other games and this is like canon that all other games until Breath of the Wild either occur in an alternate universe or like an alternate reality or they are prequels mm -hmm. to the first two games so they're uh -oh. all prequels or in an alternate reality and Breath of the Wild is the next like chronologically contiguous it's zelda 3 zelda 3 breath of the wild is technically zelda 3 wow so does that mean breath of the wild 2 is zelda 3 2 right i don't know <laughs> i've i have not actually played to completion any of these games which yeah i always you know i i know that there's like a timeline and people like to, oh you piece them together and where they fit and and more power to you you know it seems like a lot of people really enjoy that sort of thing but I always envision it as like a James Bond scenario where it's like there's not really sequels. You know, once you get a new James Bond, it's just sort of a reset of the whole deal. But it is interesting that there is like an official Zelda timeline out there. Right. And it, it seems like a lot of Miyamoto's games and a lot of more famous Nintendo games, kind of the, the loop, the story loop is somewhat the same or parallel, right? Like, I mean, Mario's always trying to save peach from bowser and some, yeah. you know effectively in some way shape or form and from what i understand these zelda games kind of follow that same path i mean i i mean i know that you've played i guess this is probably a good 
transition into our experience with the series. Mine's pretty short. I've literally, I've rarely owned until very recently any Nintendo consoles outside of the NES back when I was a very small child. Mm. I never owned any uh, Zelda games personally. And so I've only really played pieces of them. Like I've played pieces of the very first one. I've probably watched you honestly play uh, Link to the Past or someone I maybe have dabbled in a, a few of these, right? Um, I remember for a brief time, you and I played Four Swords a little bit on like yeah. Game Boy Advance, I think it was. Game Boy Advance slash GameCube. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about the Game Boy Advance. So in order to play this game with your friends, you not only had to have GameCube, but you had to have like three or four Game Boy Advances. Mm-hmm. Yeah, privilege right there. <laughs> I totally forgot about that. That would have wonky. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of fun what they did, you know, where like the game would go onto your screen every once in a while. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the logistics of it were, were tough. Yeah, creative, but the barrier for entry was definitely pretty high. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, I've never played any of these games to completion. Like, I think as a child, uh, I didn't really enjoy puzzles in games anyway, uh, which kind of pushed me away from them. Yeah, that'll um, do it. Which has changed now, but yeah, so very limited experience playing these games. What about, what about you? Yeah, so I've, yeah, I think much, much more of a history, although not like, definitely not like a Zelda diehard, you know. Um, I've have some experience with quite a few Zelda games, you know, played the, the original back on the NES a long time ago, played a tiny bit of a link to the past you know it's a lot of my early video game memories are like sort of tied in where like was i playing or was i watching my older brothers play Mm -hmm. i think there's a i have a lot of video game experience early on that was just watching my older brothers play the game um so a tiny bit of link to the past a good amount of ocarina of time um i do remember having oracle of seasons on the game boy um played twilight princess when it came out for the wii um, and uh, and then yeah, now with Breath of the Wild, kind of got re into it. But a lot of those games I never finished. Um, I've never beat the original Legend of Zelda. I beat Link to the Past once, um, and that was as an adult. I came I came back to it um, as like a twenty year old or whatever, and, and played through it um, with the help of of walkthroughs. I think pretty significantly. Mm-hmm. Um, I never beat Twilight Princess because um, it depressed me. <laughs> um, it's just Wait, real in what way? drab color palette and okay. i just really didn't enjoy didn't enjoy the gameplay much at all like it was just not enough i don't know a lot of solving some puzzles and the combat was just truly terrible with the wiimote um so yeah i didn't never really finish that one so yeah i have a lot of i have a fair amount of experience with zelda i'm, I'm pretty familiar with like the tropes and mm-hmm. the the recurring bits and and things that occur in the series, I like Zelda a whole bunch. It's just a fun, a fun series. Um, and yeah, so have some experience with a link to the past. It has been uh, years since I've last played it. So um, yeah, I look forward to to seeing what it's like for the second time. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited. I think that. I think that a couple things have made me more excited about 
playing this uh, playing a link to the past um because that even though I, I enjoy puzzle games now and kind of you know I came around on puzzle aspects of games I think that that kind of disdain that I had from a child carried over without me really addressing it um but things like like I said I until this switch I really haven't had much uh, I haven't had since the NES uh, Nintendo console so my personal like playing through of Miyamoto games is very limited but I very recently finished Odyssey and had a blast uh, and that's kind of made me excited to play more of these kind of OG uh, Nintendo franchise games Um, yeah Doing all this, all this background re- research, obviously, also made me think. I think that kind of really invested me in this idea of playing through a Link to the Past as well. Yeah, and I think with this the Zelda series, my impression of it is at least is it seems like the first several games, and I would I would lump Link to the Past in there, um, had puzzles, but it was like a pretty even mix or possibly even favored like combat, like action. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of fighting. The combat is pretty fun. Um, and it seems to me at least like that it just sort of got more and more puzzle heavy mm. once it got into 3D. Yeah. Um, and then I think with Breath of the Wild, they sort of were like, all right, we're going to like reset. We're going to like go back. And Breath of the Wild is much more like action heavy yeah. than puzzle heavy. I think, yeah, I think that makes sense too, because when obviously the original was out and then mm. Link to the Past, I was very young. Uh, and, and the earliest time when I really remember specifically playing these games and thinking, uh, like all these puzzles, that was Ocarina of Time. And I think it was actually at your house, like watching you push rocks around. <laughs> so, yeah, I was like, I hate this. <laughs> but, uh, I don't know what this is, but it sucks. Yeah. Um, Cool. But I guess, yeah, I, it's, I think we can kind of... Well, yeah, you want to talk a little bit about Link to the Past? I have I have some stuff about specific to Link to the Past. It seems oh, like yeah. you, you didn't uh, delve as deep into this game to try to keep it a little fresh. So I'll try to... I'll try not to spoil anything. Yeah, I mean, I, I think like we were kind of talking about pre-going on air... Um, I intentionally avoided looking up, which is silly because, as I've said, a lot of the story, I think, is just kind of the same thing that I've already read through entirely with the first game. But I've still kind of avoid, try, try to avoid learning too much about the game just because I want to go in. I like to go in uh, fresh. Yeah. You know? Cool. Um, yeah. So I have... Yeah. So share away. Share away. I will uh, avoid some of the a couple of things um, but yeah link to the past legend of zelda was released in 1991 in japan 1992 in uh, north america and europe um so the first two games were pretty successful um so they had a big old budget you know this was like a triple a game um, it was both commercially and critically successful people loved it sold a bunch of bunch of games super nintendo uh, right super nintendo yeah this uh new new console i think it came out a year after the release of the Super Nintendo is, is uh, my memory of that. They were originally going to get it for launch 
but it didn't it didn't work out so they did it on the one year anniversary of the super nintendo and they created a wonderful game a really big game um i think something that you'll find when you start playing through it something that i found the first time i played through it as an adult is like man this game is big for a super nintendo game and that was thanks to you know some some technical wizardry on the part of the folks at nintendo uh, yeah, I mean, stuffed a whole bunch of stuff in onto that cartridge and made a, a pretty massive game. The one thing that I did look up uh, about this game was when we were trying to figure out what you know what would be the first game that we kind of uh, proof of concept trial run this podcast about uh, was how long it would take to beat. Yeah, I was surprised to see that just completing like the main stories, it's like a sixteen. It's like it's like a sixteen hour game on average or something around there. Fifteen, sixteen hours, which is like pretty it's pretty long. It's hefty. Yeah. It was, I mean that's yeah, main story. And that was my concern with doing this game was like, man, this might be too big. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a real big game. I mean it had elements from the original. It kind of went back to the feel of the first one, so the top down perspective entirely. The world was kind of made up of this overworld with dungeons that you would then go into, you know, a mix of combat and puzzles, as well as sort of a progression through items. You know, Zelda 2 did like experience, it had like experience points. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas the first one, somewhat, there were a couple of items that you like needed to complete some of the dungeons. This one is is much more rigid of like, you need this item to to do this. Okay, so they kind of like gate your ability to progress uh, through items. Through items, right, right. Which I think that's something that kind of I've seen a lot in other games that I've played. Yeah, I feel like Metroidvanias to me Mm -hmm. are are a genre that like very much hues to the progression through items. Yep, absolutely. Some some new elements uh, that Link to the Past incorporated. One was that it was a little bit more linear than the original. So the original Legend of Zelda was like, here you are, get out there. But also you could do dungeons in multiple, in, in kind of whatever order you want. I mean, I, like I said, there's a couple that like you need an item to get into. But you could right off the bat walk into like dungeon six or whatever. And if you were like super badass at the game, you might even be able to beat it. Whereas A Link to the Past is, is a little bit more like of a guided thing. and Miyamoto, you know, that was like an intention. Uh, Miyamoto, it was kind of two reasons that he was forced to do that. One, Miyamoto felt that it would just be too confusing and too difficult for for gamers if he just threw them in there and just said, just go and, and didn't give them any direction. And then also there was technical limitations of, you know, trying to like, like the, with the, he, he brings out the NPCs and says like, you know, if you did like this event and this event, in in a different order, then we would have to change your interaction with this NPC, and mm-hmm. we just wouldn't be able to fit that on the cartridge. That would like quadruple or whatever the amount of data that each NPC would take up. Um, so there was some technical limitations, but also, you know, like he said, he thought it would just be really confusing. So just literally just those like coding decision trees that they could fit onto one. Yeah, it would just take up too much space. They didn't just didn't right. have the was it the bits or the bytes or or whatever. Right. Huh. So other elements is a more developed story. It sounds like Link Zelda Two had a pretty pretty bonkers story. 
but as yeah, opposed wild. to the first absolutely one, wild <laughs> uh, this one is a little bit more developed we talked a little bit about how miyamoto sort of prefers the the um, ambient storytelling a little bit and some series staples that were introduced for the first time in a link to the past uh, one was the master sword so hopefully that is not a spoiler but we're going to get the master sword at some point and the other one was the kind of multiple worlds that you can travel between and we'll, we'll learn a little bit more about that when we uh when we get into it common perspectives on the game you know as i said it was a, it was received really well you know a lot of people hold it up as like a masterpiece of gaming it was you know the, the open world was was lauded and the music credit of koji kondo who has done the music for like every zelda and every mario game so big ups to to kondo for for some truly delightful music that's one of the in my experience that's one of the thing i remember from playing this game is that i really enjoyed the music yeah iconic for sure actually that's that's one bit of research that i was planning to do that i ended up i just realized that i i didn't actually get to looking into that was the music of these games which is i think obviously one of the one of the single most recognizable things about Zelda games, right? Yeah, absolutely. That yeah, that overworld theme, the like the Hyrule theme, mm-hmm. um, as well as a bunch of the music cues. You know, the do 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 do. So yeah, that's the Legend of Zelda: Link to the Past. Big game, a lot going on. I'm looking forward to to getting into it and playing this game. I've been excited all week yeah, I mean, about this. Let's talk expectation, which which are very different, right? Because I'm coming from having very little experience with these games. I've not played this game before. Obviously, you have more experience with Zelda you literally played I think you said you played through this game entirely right like you, you completed yeah, I beat it once so yeah but... I am really excited to hear what your expectations are and I think maybe for that reason I'll go first and get out of the way yeah yeah definitely. Um, so my expectations is I'm, I'm looking forward to, to enjoying this game <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I think I'm going to have a lot of fun with it I think I'm going to play it with a, with a good big smile on my face I'm expecting to get lost and or confused several times I'm going to do my best, my utmost to do this game without any aid from, you know, internet walkthroughs. So I'm expecting just to have several, several times of like, wh- where do I go? And then something I'm like an intention I'm trying to set for, for this playthrough is to try to be a little bit more objective and less nostalgic. Something that I fall into a lot with Zelda games is nostalgia. Um, it's like, oh, it's a, it's a Zelda game. So it mm-hmm. must be really, really good. And that, you know, so every like design choice or whatever, it doesn't get questioned. If there's something that's annoying, it's I sort of brush it off. So I'm in, I am trying to go into it and be a little bit more objective and see like experience the game kind of more on its own terms and as its own thing. Yeah, I mean, I, from my point of view, actually, funnily enough, a, a few things that you mentioned just in this conversation that we've been having about the game have improved my expectations about the experience. I mean, you know me, I especially more recently in life the idea of like a completely open world game has become kind of exhausting to me so the fact that and really that's kind of what i thought knowing how the original game is i kind of thought that that's how a link to the past was given that they, they look so similar right like the yeah. feel of the games are so similar so it's actually kind of a relief to me to know that it is 
more of a guided experience, which is yeah, that, that's that's a, that's a plus. I mean, every everyone has everyone who plays these games, I think in general, seems to have a good time with them. So I that's that's what I'm going and hoping for. And I, I mean, I th- I think that should be my takeaway. I one thing that I'm kind of looking forward to is keeping an eye out, I guess, for things that I see in this game that influenced games that I've played. You know, which, and that, I guess that's a hard one because there are probably things in A Link to the Past that I'll see and I'll think, wow, this must be the first time that games did this and that'll just be totally inaccurate. But <laughs> at least seeing like, like farther up the river, right, in terms of creative storytelling and gameplay mechanics, like where these things come from, I think that that historical aspect is really interesting to me. So I, I something I like about playing such such an aged game i don't don't want to call it old but you know it it has time on its hands it's older than us it's our our age it's our age yeah (laughs) yeah so i i don't want to call call it old because (laughs) i'm calling us old applications yeah no i that's a perspective i hadn't considered and yeah i'm looking forward to kind of thinking about that and talking about that as well yeah i'm looking i'm looking forward to it i think that's the main takeaway i will I, i will do my best to avoid guides i don't i'm not such a diehard game player that i'll refuse to seek out hints or some assistance because to me kind of paramount is enjoying enjoying the games right 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 that's a very Uh, miyamoto perspective and like i I mean you and i have played through dark souls right like the first one and uh, demon souls as well so i am familiar with the idea of just just bashing something until you get it right and the you know the the enjoyment yeah. that comes with that, but I don't want that from this game, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I think Dark Souls is a really, I think, a good example of a game that I have no desire to play without a guide. <laughs> right. like those games are... I, I often think of Dark Souls as like the, the spiritual successor to the original Legend of Zelda, and mm-hmm. that it's like, here you go, and that's that's all they give you. Yeah, so it, I, I, I expect to kind of... I often link the two series, but yeah, Dark Souls is one that I was like, I'm not going to play that without a guy. That's that's crazy. That's actually, you say that, that's actually a really good connection that I haven't thought about that kind of, like you can go anywhere, but most things are going to kill you if you go here before you're ready to be here type thing. Yeah. And just, then, yeah, just imagine playing it without a guide and just having to like, just mash yourself against this game. Right. So yeah. Finally, something slides through. Right. Yeah. I think this is probably a good place to wrap up yeah any other uh, closing thoughts i don't think so i'm excited to play this game i'm excited to listen to the music and run around as our little man yeah and i'm excited to to talk uh soon about our our experience thus far as we hit like our first our first checkpoint All right, folks, that's it for the first episode of the talk through. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoyed it. Sources for this episode include Wikipedia, ZeldaUniverse.com, ZeldaDungeon.net, and YouTubers King K and Ego Raptor. You can stay updated on the podcast by following us on Twitter at The Talkthrough, where we'll be sharing episode info, Zelda related content, and moments from our playthroughs. You can also reach out to us directly at the talkthroughpodcast at gmail.com. 
for our next episode, we're going to be starting our playthrough. So if you're looking to play along with us, run out and grab yourself a copy of the game. Our first checkpoint will be acquiring the first pendant. So we're going to get through the first dungeon of the game, and we'll see you there. Please follow us on Facebook and subscribe via iTunes. Please follow us on Facebook and subscribe via iTunes. Bacon Bash, take one. Head to Red Robin for Bacon Bash. For bacon on burgers, bacon on all the things, like the savory sweet bacon jam and burger. Bacon jam, seriously? Bacon jam and wings with bacon crumbles. Wings too, is this right? And the caramel and cookie crumb shake with candied bacon. Bacon on a shake, what? Okay, I think we're done. If you need me, I'll be at Red Robin. Um, you forgot to say for a limited time. Red Robin. Yum. Geek Therapy Radio. Check one, two, three. Welcome to Geek Therapy Radio. You've got your mental curator, Johnny Hamburger. I think I've got the audio pretty well sussed out, as well sussed out as it probably can possibly be. Using this vintage 67-year-old M, uh, sorry, uh, RCA 77DX microphone. So if you remember from the last podcast, I don't think I mentioned this in the last broadcast, but in the last podcast, I had mentioned, at least in the audio description, that the audio was terrible. I apologize for the terrible audio. It was a podcast. It was about 45 minutes long, maybe 50 minutes long stream of consciousness thing. And by the time I got to the end of it and rendered it out. I was listening to it. I was like, there is a terrible buzz here. And apparently at some point in the podcast, there was like a really loud pop or crackling or something like that. I didn't catch that when I went back to listen to the podcast. I did notice the buzzing, uh, the buzzing noise. And I said, you know what, man, it's, it, it was about three in the morning or so when I ended that podcast. I was like, I'm just going to let it ride. And I'm going to mention in the description and in the title that there is a that there's a buzz and just apologize for the audio issues. And a couple of y'all uh, emailed me and, and tweeted at me about the, about the noise, and I responded that I've actually figured it out. I figured out what that noise was, and I figured out what's causing it. And if you're listening to the podcast right now, if you're listening to this broadcast as a podcast right now. You probably don't hear much buzzing. I think there's a little bit of noise in the background. I'm going to be quiet for just maybe three seconds so I don't trip the off-air monitor on the radio station, but I'm going to stay quiet for just a second or two so you can hear the level of buzzing without me talking. So I'm going to start that now. 
So there is probably still a little bit of noise floor there. There's probably still a little bit of a tiny bit of buzzing there, but it's way, way better than it uh, was for the last podcast. And I figured out what it was. So like the past, you know, a few days afterwards, I was like, man, what? I was so disappointed. I was like, what is what was causing that buzzing? I just got this this inline uh, gain booster, phantom powered inline gain booster. Uh, the the microphone is in good condition. It's in good nick. It shouldn't be the microphone making too much self noise. Like, what is this? And then it dawned on me. I was going through and looking at the specs of my audio interface, and it says that it can consume up to 20 watts of electricity. So it was like in between 18 and, and 20 watts of electricity. So it kind of dawned on me. If you remember a couple of shows ago, maybe a couple of podcasts ago, I mentioned that the power supply uh, failed for my Tascam audio interface. I've had this thing for a few years now, and the and the 12 volt power supply bit the dust. Uh, I'm running everything off solar power. I kind of you know turn the inverter on and off here and there, and I try to do it as safely as possible. But who knows? Maybe there was some stress involved with with that. And whatever the case is, the power supply and the Tascam failed. All the, the power supplies for everything else plugged into this inverter and my solar power generator and everything. All those power supplies are fine. It was just the Tascam that went out. And I wouldn't put it past Tascam to be using a very cheap Chinese power supply in here. So anyways, I replaced the power supply, at least temporarily, with the Alexa power supply. Shush, never mind. I forgot that she's behind me listening. But I, I replaced the power supply with the A-L-E-X-A power supply. That was two hundred. That was rated 200 milliamps less than the Tascam power supply. So the Tascam power supply was 12 volts, uh, 2,000 milliamps, or 2 amps. So 2 amps at 12 volts. The A-L-E-X-A power supply was rated at 1,800 milliamps, or 1.8 amps at the same 12 volts. And that little 0.2 amp difference is what made the noise and audio anomalies. I had that same underpowered power supply going into the Tascam before I got the inline phantom powered gain booster. So if you can plug the pieces together now, as soon as I recorded the first podcast with that inline phantom powered gain booster, that stretched the 1.8 amp 12 volt power supply beyond its limit so applying the phantom power consumed a little bit more energy than that power supply could provide so i was operating at just with a strained power supply and if you know anything about audio the power supply is one of the very most important links in the chain with audio gear. If your if your power supply is noisy, if your power supply is cheap, if your power supply is underpowered, you can have all sorts of artifacts in your audio. And I'm mentioning this to help anybody listening that if you've got some artifacts happening in your audio, if you have some like too loud of buzz and you're checking all your signal chain, and you're using good, you know, microphone cables and everything's grounded and shielded and everything's good, but you're still getting a buzz. Check the power supply. It, it could also be that your power supply is good. You're using the stock power supply that came with your equipment. 
But more often than not, especially if you live in an apartment complex, the power coming out of your wall can be filthy. Ideally, it's supposed to be a pure pure sine wave, no matter where you are in the world, whether you're on a 220-volt country or you're in a 120-volt country like in the United States. If you're not getting a pure sound wave out of the wall, then it can cause all sort of issues with audio equipment. Uh, Basically, you're getting a whole lot of distortion in the sine wave of an alternating current coming out of your wall if you have distortion in there or interference. A lot of times I used to make recordings uh, and play my electric guitar and everything, and in the recordings coming through the microphone and in the recordings coming through the guitar amp, you could hear a Hispanic station, radio station, very faintly coming through all of my audio because there was a transmitter nearby and it would it was interfering with the actual power lines in the apartment. The apartment was old, it was not very well insulated. The The wire was not very well insulated. So I was getting inter- interference from local radio stations in the actual power coming out of the wall. So if you live in an apartment, especially, or you don't know the quality of the of the of the electricity coming into your home, it's not a bad idea to get a power conditioner, not just a surge protector but an actual power conditioner that basically filters out all the crap and interference and then from coming out of your wall and then feeds your audio equipment with nice, pure, beautiful, wavy sine wave of electricity. So crappy power supply, underpowered power supply is what was causing the audio issues and things should be better now. I'll let you know where I'm at with my microphone stuff in a minute. Geek Therapy Radio, don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Geek Therapy Radio. You've got your mental curator, Johnny Hamburger. I'm listening to this. You know, as I'm recording this, I went back and I kind of checked the uh, audio from the first segment, and there's still a little buzz. Very minor. I mean, it's less than what occurred in the last podcast, the last train wreck of audio podcast. Uh, But it's still there, and that kind of leads me into... This segment, I mentioned at the end of the last segment that I talk about my what I'm thinking for my microphone situation here. As much as I would love to keep using this vintage, almost 70-year-old RCA 77DX ribbon microphone, and if you haven't, uh, if you don't know the history between you know between me and this very microphone, that it all started with my grandfather who brought it home from RCA when he worked there all those years ago in the 50s. Uh, go back and check out past podcasts, and it's I, I give the whole history of this microphone, the whole family history of this microphone, as well as some specs and things like that. Uh, but that's a good plug for you to go get the podcast if you're just listening to this on the radio. Uh, type into your favorite podcast player, Geek Therapy Radio or Geek Therapy Radio Podcast. It'll come up. Look for the red, white, and black color scheme, and that's how you know you've got me. That's how you know you've got the Geek Therapy Radio. You can also email me, johnny at geektherapyradio.com, uh, or you can just visit the website. The very first thing you see is a form to contact me, and it does not put you on any mailing list, doesn't advertise anything to you. I pay for the website out of pocket. If you listen to the show, you you hear that I really don't have I don't have any sponsors right now. It's few and far between that I actually have sponsors. It's because I'm a bad salesman (laughs) and I've got a baby born. I'm taking care of a child. I've got my full-time job at the museum. It's hard for me to get out there now and hustle and try to sell advertising on the show. I've had past sponsors. I've had Audi. 
I've had, oh, who else did I have? I had a, a video game bar. Uh, so there are, there are um, businesses out there that are very well catered to this type of show. I just... I don't I don't have a lot of advertisements on this show and all I am saying that you know telling you that for is that when you go to the geektherapyradio.com website and fill out the form to talk to me it just sends me an email it does not sign you up for any mailing list I don't send you any ads or to make you buy anything or whatever I do have a merch store that I do not uh that I do not let you all know about nearly enough uh, I should be tell- mentioning the merch store in every single show, but I don't. Uh, if you go to geektherapyradio.com, there is a merch store. I need to try to add more to it. Uh, when I first opened the merch store, uh, all the textile companies, it was it was uh, during you know 2020 and shipping and manufacturing took a hit, and it's still taking a hit. But I'm, I need to go back and check if I can offer T-shirts and other things. Right now, I think it's a beach towel. Um, and I was like, a beach towel? Y'all can do a beach towel, but you can't do a T-shirt? Anyways, uh, there's a beach towel, there's a coffee mug, and there are stickers. Stickers are by far the cheapest. I don't even know what my what my commission is on there, what my my costs and everything. I I, I don't make any money off of it. I mean, theoretically, it should. Like if I got a thousand orders for mugs, I I think the mugs are like fifteen or twenty bucks, something like that. If I got a like a thousand order for mugs, yeah, I would make a healthy little profit off that. But that's that's really not the reason why I'm doing it. Uh, there, so there is Geek Therapy Radio merch. Stickers are by far the cheapest. You get the stickers and you slap them on your laptop or on your car or whatever. Um, it's just the show logo and it's how you can support the show. But honestly, the best way you can support the show is just by listening to the show. And, and the more above and beyond just having you listen, you could share it with your friends and family if you think anybody would like it. Um, that would be amazing. I don't ever, I don't hardly think of the show's success in terms of dollars and cents. Would I like to make a living with the show? Sure. That would be amazing, but I'm not hurting for it. Like I said, I work full time for the museum. It's a dream job. They're very accommodating over there. Uh, some things that they accommodate for are worth more than gold. You know, my, my son came down with hand, foot and mouth disease this week, and it's been a little bit of a nightmare with that. Any parents, you know, you know, who have have had experience with that. Anytime your child gets sick, your infant gets sick, it's it's not fun. And I can't imagine in my old day job having the flexibility to take care of my child. It just wouldn't exist. It would be unheard of. Nothing against my old employer, but if I went to them and said, "Can I have a couple days to deal with uh, my sick child?" I'd be like, "Man, you're really putting us in a hurt. We don't have a lot of people to fill in." I would be getting eye rolls and people sighing and, and it would asking for like a day off. And, and I think a lot of people can just sympathize with this is a lot of employees don't ask for time off or days off even to take care of sick children, let alone taking care of their sick, sick self, because it seems like it's such a pain for the employer. It's like, oh, man, I'm not saying that my boss did this at all, but there was a sense with just the company as a whole that. Time off? Man, requesting vacation time is already putting us in a bind. Being sick or, or taking care of your child, that's, you know, we, we are you sure you're that sick? And again, I'm not saying my boss said any of this, but I think a lot of people listening have jobs like that where they don't dare even ask for time off because their boss would roll their eyes and act like you are really putting them in a bind. Which sucks, and I'm just saying I'm I'm very thankful that I'm at a job now 
that I don't have to worry about that. Where if my son is sick, I can take care of my son. And part of that, I think, is just being salaried. You know, I the other night I was up till 4 a.m. editing a video. So it doesn't mean that, you know, 9 to 5, it's kind of 9 to 5. And then there's breaks here and there to, to, to feed my son, put him to sleep or, or take give him medicine, whatever. And then I kind of make it up on the other end. Uh, that just kind of goes along with, with salary work. How did I get off on this tangent? Oh, it was something to do with like, I don't advertise a lot on this show and I don't ask y'all for money. I've got a Patreon. Gosh, I need to put more content on there. I need to put more content on the Geek Therapy Radio YouTube channel as freaking well. I'll mention right here, if, if you are missing content on the Geek Therapy Radio YouTube channel, subscribe to the Houston Museum of Natural Science YouTube channel, HMNS. That's where I've been putting up a ton of videos. So if you want Geek Therapy Radio kind of content, that's what the museum hired me for. Is I'm their YouTube channel manager. So if you want to see more of my stuff on YouTube, HMNS uh, on YouTube, Houston Museum of Natural Science on YouTube. And I promised, I promised my bosses at iHeart that this show would not be a giant advertisement for the museum, and it's not. So let me just move on before I say museum anymore. Microphone situation, as long, as much as I would like to hang on to this 67-year-old 60, vintage RCA 77DX ribbon microphone, um, as, hang on, I mean, as long as I would love to use this daily for the podcast and broadcast, I think there's one more thing I'm going to try to nip the little kind of background buzz in the bud. Um, the next thing I'm going to try is plugging this into my... Uh, rather expensive universal audio uh, tube and solid state mic pre the the 710 4710d because it's four channels of of tube and solid state and there's a blending knob so i can go full solid state or i can go all tube or any combination thereof but it's a very high quality pre-amplifier with lots of gain lots of clean gain so i'll see in a, a power supply a big beefy power supply so I'll see if that kind of helps clean things up with this ribbon microphone. I have mentioned, if you remember in past podcasts and broadcasts, that the ribbon microphones are an absolute bear to work with in the year 2021 or whenever you're listening to this podcast. It's, there's, a, there's lots of reasons why people don't typically use ribbon microphones in the modern kind of audio workflow. It's because they're very difficult to to provide enough clean gain into they're they take more eqing than more people are typically uh typically used to giving with like a you know fifty dollar usb condenser microphone so i'm gonna try the universal audio mic pre on it next and if that doesn't kind of clear things up then i think i'm just gonna kind of relegate this microphone to you know i gave it the good college try i will have it still plugged into the interface and I will go to it from time to time. I've got lots of inputs on this interface. Uh, so I'll keep it plugged in and I'll probably keep it on the desk, but I think I'll probably go back to my MXL V67G. That's what I've been using for the, you know, a, a lot of these podcasts, a lot of these broadcasts. It's a hundred dollar condenser microphone, large diaphragm condenser microphone. I got back in 2003. It's still a hundred dollars today, but it sounds really good. And that might just be my go-to. And just goes to show you, price, vintage, that kind of stuff has really nothing to do with it. If it sounds good on you, it sounds good on you. More Geek Therapy Radio coming up. Don't go anywhere. Amazon is offering sign-on bonuses up to $1,000. Plus, get up to $20 an hour for select roles. The best part? 
We're hiring near you. So start now to take home something greater. New, higher wages with a sign-on bonus, a range of real benefits, and career growth opportunities in a top-rated workplace. So earn more and see how great pay and sign-on bonuses can lead to a greater life for you. Go to Amazon.com slash apply. Amazon is an equal opportunity employer. Welcome back to Geek Therapy Radio. You've got your mental curator, Johnny Hamburger. Go to geektherapyradio.com for more information. If you're listening this to this on the radio, of course, we prefer the iHeartRadio app around here. But you can type in Geek Therapy Radio into your favorite podcast app, whether it's the iHeart app or Spotify or whatever you use to listen to our station's content. Type in Geek Therapy Radio into your favorite podcast player. Look for the red, white, and black color scheme, and that's how you know you have me. And then don't be afraid to reach out to me. I just mentioned Geek Therapy Radio, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Type it in there, all that stuff. And again, across everything, just look for the red, white, and black color scheme. Or you can email me directly, Johnny, J-O-H-N-N-Y, at geektherapyradio.com. Don't add the cough in there. Or you can just go to geektherapyradio.com and fill out the contact form right at the beginning. I don't, it doesn't sign you up for a mailing list. You're not locked in anything. It's just literally, it like sends an email to my, it's linked to my Gmail account. So I can see when y'all email me. And I love getting your emails. And it's, half the time it's just telling me what your geek thing is. And I freaking love that. One of you, oh gosh, I'm blanking on your name. I'll get it right on the next, in the near future, I promise. Um, one of you, I think you live in Richmond and you build custom Bluetooth speakers and you've shown me some pictures of the Bluetooth speakers you make and they are incredible. That's your geek thing. That's your passion. That's your hobby. That's, that's what we're all about here in Geek Therapy Radio is getting in touch with your hobby, rekindling an old hobby or learning a new hobby and, and getting into it because a lot of times that's how we learn how to build our own self-respect you know like i end every show this is not the end of the show but i end every show by saying the most important thing to take away from the show is to realize that you were worthy of love so that you're you know that you're worthy of giving love so you're worthy of saying i love you to somebody uh and you're worthy of receiving love meaning if someone says i love you you're worthy of that love but almost most importantly if not just as importantly you are worthy of your own self-worth and your own self-love and your own self-respect. And one of the ways I I intensely feel that you can build your own self-respect and, and build your own self-worthiness is to find a hobby. Get into something that fulfills you. And I don't necessarily mean just things like video games. Video games... If like it's one thing to design video games, it's one thing to to you know doodle and draw pictures and artwork and and kind of fan uh, fan art and stuff like that for video games. And if you use Zelda, for instance, to you know be inspired to create your own Zelda kind of art or maybe cosplay or anything like that with Zelda, that's one thing. That's creative expression. Uh, I. This this might be controversial because I do say that one of your geek things can be video games. As long as video games are providing some sort of beneficial soothing to you, if 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 video games are only an escape, then I think it it can border because I've seen it. I've seen relationships destroyed over this because thing good things can be addictions like anything else. 
any a hobby can be an addiction like anything else and it can if it starts affecting relationships let's say like i just mentioned uh, the guy i think in richmond who makes bluetooth speakers I, I do not know this guy's story. I, I I blanked out on his name, and if you're listening, I, I do apologize. I will I will look you up or go back in my emails, and I will get your name right because I do want to give you credit. And if you have a website or something where you sell these Bluetooth speakers, uh, let me know if you haven't already. Uh, just reach out to me again. But I'm gonna use this. I'm gonna use you as a theoretical here, so don't get mad at me. If uh, I'm gonna say Billy in Richmond, if Billy in Richmond was so into building Bluetooth speakers that it caused him, you know, three marriages and strained relationships with his children, then that's kind of, that's when good things, that's when hobbies can become addictions. And I've seen, I've seen relationships destroyed and video games very much fall into that category. I have seen, there's one relationship I I vividly can recall because it was was kind of a wake up call for me. And it was kind of a bizarre thing, you know, truth be told that relationship could end for something like this. Cause I've, I've known relationships to end from infidelity. I've known relationships to end from drug use. I've known relationships to to end for all sorts of reasons financial reasons all sorts of reasons but when this friend told me that they broke up because he just could not stop playing video games uh you know she told me and i'm not mentioning any names here you know she would um i i she would be in an amorous mood let's just say for the kids listening to this show and he would be playing a video game. I won't mention the game. It was like 15 years ago. It was very popular on the Xbox. I will just say the original Xbox and she was feeling amorous and he would basically kind of push her to the side so that he could keep looking at the screen and play the video game. It wasn't, it wasn't one of those, okay, give me five minutes, babe type of things. It was, she could not compete at any level with his video game addiction she couldn't do anything to get his attention the video games always took priority over anything else in the relationship dates doesn't matter intimacy doesn't matter video games were the first priority in that relationship and anytime you put something else as a priority in a relationship it doesn't work so that's my warning is if your geek thing is video games that's a wonderful thing I play video games sometimes to unwind. I play video games a lot to unwind. I don't, not as much as I want to now because my son is a priority. Uh, but I play video games to unwind, to, yes, to get away a little bit from it all, just for a little bit. Um, but I'm still involved. You know, I'm playing video games, the door open, my wife can have access to me. Riker, I can hear Riker. I'm often playing with the baby monitor going, he needs anything. I'm, I'm playing games that I can usually step away from even if I'm playing Rocket League and I'm playing like in a match and I just do casuals so if I you know leave the match it's not like gonna hurt anybody's rank or anything like that um I'm doing something where I can get away and that's just me and I think that's most people um I I think a lot of us need to be careful maybe even some people listening need might need to hear this just kind of be careful about where your priorities lay um so I think it's always a good balance to, yes, embrace your geek thing, but within a balance. Like I said, don't – using the theoretical person in Richmond building Bluetooth speakers, if that has cost him three or four marriages, this theoretical person that doesn't exist, if that 
hobby cost of marriages, then it's time to recess. It doesn't mean give up the hobby, but it might mean kind of get the time management under better order, kind of where your priorities are at. You know, I didn't know the segment would turn into this. I'm going to talk about solar powered air conditioning, you know, at some point, probably in the next segment, because that's my other thing I'm working on right now. But as long as we're talking about hobbies and addiction and kind of where that blurry line happens and try to have clear defined brackets around hobbies and addictions, not addictions, but around hobbies so that they don't turn into addictions and kind of step out every once in a while and kind of assess, okay, is this hobby hurting people around me? Something that I'm, something that I tell people quite often you know, if the opportunity comes up is in reference to the DeLorean, you know, I'm a nerd about the DeLorean and I have a DeLorean, a 1983 DeLorean. I'm a geek about back to the future. That's kind of, it's woven into the fabric of who I am at this point is that I have a DeLorean because I was such a nerd about back to the future. And I got it way back in the year 2000 before they appreciate it at all. I got a dirt cheap. This is going to, enrage some people but i got it for ninety five hundred dollars it is worth well i won't mention it now but it is unobtainium for a lot of people at this point but that's kind of proving the point i'm I'm making here when people kind of joke oh the delorean that's kind of your first baby or that's your that's your other son or that's your other daughter or something like that i'm like no i would as much as I love the DeLorean, as much as it is kind of a f- piece of the fabric of who I am, as much as it is, in a way, kind of a family member at this point because of all the memories attached to it, at the end of the day, it is still a hunk of stainless steel and fiberglass and plastic and gasoline and rubber. And if it came down to choosing between the DeLorean or my son Riker, if I had to push the DeLorean off the cliff for some reason to save Riker's life, I would I would push the DeLorean off the cliff so with all my might. It's just a thing. And I would give it up in a heartbeat to help my family. In a heartbeat. It's a non-issue. As much as I love and adore and the, the feeling of, of awesomeness has not gone away in the past 21 years now that I've had it, the opening the garage door and seeing it in there and just that cool factor, holy crap factor, that only gets better with age. That only gets better the longer I've had it. it the feeling of seeing that car ever taking out the trash, doing recycling, whatever I'm going to the garage for, and I see a freaking DeLorean in there, it is always more awesome than it was the day before I saw it. Like, it is always cool. That said, if Riker needed an operation and I needed to sell it at a loss, I would. If someone came along at the very right moment and be like, I'll give you $5,000 for it right now, and that was the exact amount of money I needed to save my son's life, yes, <laughs> I would do it. It's not for sale, though. <laughs> you get what I'm saying here. More Geek Therapy Radio coming up. I'll finish that thought. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Geek Therapy Radio. You've got your mental curator, Johnny Hamburger. Go to geektherapyradio.com for much more information. And if you're wanting to find Geek Therapy Radio uh, in your favorite podcast player, listen to the past podcast. I meticulously uh, 
title and describe each podcast so that you know no matter what you're a geek about, no matter what you're fascinated about, you can just scroll through the back catalog of all my podcasts and say, oh, that sounds interesting. I will listen to that. You don't have to go through from episode one. And I would <laughs> I would actually be like, you know, hey, maybe don't go listen to the super early stuff because I'm just figuring out <laughs> my voice at the early stuff and it's pretty cringe. But if you wanted to, you could go back all the way to episode one where I talk about moon piss. Or what is it? Uh, making making beer on the moon with piss. Something like that. If you're listening in Europe or the UK where piss is a bad word, I'm sorry. It, it's not really... It's a, it's a vulgar word here in the United States, but it's not it's not a cuss word. I'm on a tangent here, but let's go with the tangent because this is Geek Therapy Radio. After all, I've been watching Jeremy Clarkson's uh, farm show on Amazon Prime, and it's a very fun show. It's it's just awesome. Anything that's hosted by Jeremy Clarkson, Richard Hammond, or James May, I'm going to watch. I'm, I don't care what it is. James May does shows where he just assembles things and put things together. I, I could listen to James May talk about a rusty nail. In the history of rusty nails, like if you sat me down at a pub, I could listen to James May show me like five different rusty nails that he found out in the woods and talk to me about those rusty nails. I could listen to that for hours and hours and hours of James May talking about rusty nails. So if it's James May, Richard Hammond, or, or Jeremy Clarkson, I'm, I'm watching it. I'm listening to it. I desperately wish they would start a podcast. That would be amazing if it was just them three. No topics at all. Turn on the microphone for 30 minutes or an hour, whatever, a week or a month even. That would be such an awesome podcast, listening to James May, Richard Hammond, and Jeremy Clarkson. And you know it. All you Top Gear fans, Grand Tour fans, and fans of those presenters and hosts, y'all know that that would be the best podcast ever. And it would kill and it would slay. It would make them so many more millions of dollars. Oh, I can't wait for that day if it ever happens. Anyways, what was I talking about? Yeah, oh, I was watching the, uh, the the farm show on Amazon Prime, Jeremy Clarkson's farm show, and it's rated whatever it's rated. It's it's rated whatever it's rated, and the people on the show sometimes say the F word, unbleeped, very loud and proud, F word. But the word piss is beeped. And that's one of those strange things. It's not strange. It's just one of those kind of quirks between um, cultures, between English culture and American culture. It's kind of like what words are swear words and what words aren't swear words. And I think it's not just between the UK and the United States. I think a lot of places in the world, there are uh, words that that Americans say and it's on TV and it's considered PG and it's not bleeped at all. And one of those words is piss. Versus in the UK, piss is bleeped. And I think a similar thing happens around the rest of the world with other words. I think a lot of people kind of tend to, th- to think that uh, America is, is prude in a lot of ways. And that is that is true. But I think it's just, it's all cultural. Cultural prudeness is, it's completely subjective. I, I guarantee you there's some things that that are considered very non-offensive in the United States, but if you heard somebody say that in the Netherlands, it would be the ultimate social, you know, faux pas. It would be the ultimate kind of vulgarness in that culture. 
So whereas a European might say, Americans, why are you so prude about, you know, this certain thing? Well, there's things that, uh, we're talking about TV and broadcast, that, that, that occurs on American TV and broadcast that would never see the light of day in Europe. And it's not like... You know, nudity is one of those one of those things. You're more often to see kind of nudity just around in Europe, where you don't see too much nudity around in the, in the United States. And I don't mean like nude beaches and stuff like that. I mean like nudity and kind of advertising nudity just on daytime television. It's kind of the human body isn't such a the human body isn't such a taboo thing in other cultures, uh, but in the United States. For some reason, you can watch a movie that guts a human being from the inside out, you know, tears his intestines out from his butt, basically, all the way up to his throat. But you can't show a booby. Isn't that crazy? That's one of those very typical American things. Like, you can have the most gl... Like, like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Gratuitous violence on TV. You can be watching TV at 4 p.m. in the afternoon and someone have their spine ripped out. But you can't see a booby without it being rated R or rated mature or some kind of one-off thing. You have to kind of you feel naughty if you're watching anything with nudity in it whereas in Europe nudity I'm not saying nudity is everywhere. I I've, the times I've been to Europe that was one of the things I was kind of disappointed about. <laughs> <laughs> people are like oh yeah Europeans everyone's just naked all the time you're gonna see just like you're gonna see cereal commercials and it's just gonna be a naked lady just eating cereal and I was like oh that would be an interesting cultural thing when I go to Europe it didn't really happen I I honestly can't recall seeing a whole bunch of nudity just kind of in advertising and in the media in Europe the times that I was there I, I'm sure it was there somewhere but it wasn't like every billboard was just somebody naked it, it was never uh, it was never like a, a men's cologne ad where you just kind of you know spraying cologne on his junk <laughs> sorry to be so descriptive but that's what i thought it would be it's like oh everyone just nudity in europe no one cares da, da, da. it's 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 not like that it's not like a free-for-all of nudity in europe uh but anyways, it's just kind of cultural things. It, it just That's always kind of fascinating to me. Why in the UK you have to beep out the word piss, but the word, but the F word can go flying off unbeeped. It's kind of, it's vice versa in the United States. The F word would get beeped way before the P word ever got beeped. Just very funny. The C word is always beeped. When uh, Jeremy Clarkson or any character or any, you know, anybody on the show says, you know, see you next Tuesday, that word is beeped. That is a vulgar word in any language, except Australian. <laughs> I have a feeling if you went to Australia, you would hear see you next Tuesday. Your waiter would say it to you. He'd be like, oh, this, this C word right here is the special of the day. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Australians are on another level though, man. I have known quite a few Australians and they are just on another level. It doesn't seem like anything is offensive, but there's got to be something. If you're Australian, let me know what's offensive in Australia, but not offensive in the United States and vice versa. I would love to know. Uh, real quick, wrapping up the show here. I got a 5000 BTU window air conditioner that I am running off of my solar panels and it runs off the solar panels brilliantly 
it works amazing. But the problem I'm running into is that the the window unit can fit into windows up to 36 inches and then it won't fit in windows after that. My window's like 40 inches. So those little side panels only stretch out so far and I'm I'm just I'm pulling my remaining hair out figuring out how do I seal up around the big several inches of open area where the panels won't swing out to. I think I've come up with an idea though. Because you don't want the dra- you don't want the air coming in there, you don't want bugs coming in there, you don't want humidity coming in there. You want to keep an insulated barrier between the room you're trying to cool and the outside. So, I think I've come up with an idea: um, insulating foam, like rigid insulating foam, not so rigid that I can't kind of like, you know, mush it a little bit into place. I think that's what I'm going to try: cutting semi-rigid insulating foam into place and jamming it around the seal. But that's what I'm working on right now. You read forums. Can you run an air conditioner off solar power? No, you can't. Don't even try. It's bullcrap. You can. I'm doing it. Oh, gosh. I got an upgraded Game Boy 2 with an IPS display. I haven't even touched on that. You are worthy of love. You're worthy of giving love. You're worthy of receiving love. And you're worthy of your own self-respect. Thank you so much for listening to Geek Therapy Radio this week. Get the podcast, Geek Therapy Radio, and your favorite podcast player, Red, White, and Black Color Scheme, can't go wrong. Take care. If you'd like to sponsor Geek Therapy Radio, just go to geektherapyradio.com and let's talk. Fracture prints your digital photos directly onto glass, making your favorite moments come alive in vivid color. Hand-assembled in the USA, Fracture glass prints are a unique and beautiful way to display and share your favorite moments. Simply upload your photo at FractureMe.com, select your size, and your glass print will be shipped to you, ready to hang with just one screw. Use code POD15 to get 15% off your order today. That's code POD15 at FractureMe.com. If you enjoyed today's show, please head over to iTunes, give us a rating, and leave a review. Hit us up on Facebook and Twitter. Hey guys, welcome back to the One Shot Podcast. Hope you like this episode and enjoy. Hey guys, welcome back to the One Shot Podcast. Um, I have a very special guest, Julian. Hello, hello, hello. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about GTA. Now, there's a lot of talking about... Um, and I do have questions for Jules, so let's get right into it. Um, now, Julian, when did you start playing GDA? So, I started a while ago, a number of years ago, I guess. Um, yeah, but, um, then I stopped for a while until this year. The start of this year, I started playing again. Nice. Um... Now, there's some pretty cool, some sad and good news. Um, the sad news is GDA Online for PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360 will be shutting down on December 16, 2021. Now, I never played GDA on the PS3, but Julian, you did. So, what are your thoughts on that? Um, look, I guess it kind of makes sense. Um, PS5 is out, GTA 6, um, well, who knows when that's going to come out, but I guess fairly soon. Yeah. 
But um, it never, I guess, even really had as much as you could do on um, PS4. Like, PS3, you couldn't use first person, I don't think. Well, it's one of the things you couldn't do, but um... For most people, I don't think first person know. was much of an um, issue. Yeah, well, I know, but just an um, example, I guess, of some, one of the things that you couldn't do on the PS3 yeah. that was available on PS4 and um, later Xboxes as well. Yeah. You want- um, yeah. There's the new import export. It's not new, but it's been out for like... What, the vehicle cargo? Yeah, the vehicle cargo for GTA. Um, now, double money, so good. I've been sweating it, and uh, yeah, I've got some good money off of it. Um, yeah, there's double money for every export you do. Yeah. And um, there's also more money on top of that. If you export five vehicles, 250000 and 10 vehicles, you'll get 500000 So it's good money. And uh, yeah, you guys should definitely get on that. Uh, yeah. Also, the um, the newish stunt races, I guess, that came out. Yeah, the new stunt races, with, or with the um, the three times uh, RP, and was it three times money as well, or just RP? Um, I'm pretty sure it was money. Um, I don't really remember. Mm. I'm pretty sure it was money as well. Yeah, three times um money. Yeah, definitely up three times RP though. Yeah, and um. Yeah, so just when you do those, you get you can receive three, triple the amount of reward, I guess. Yeah. Um, there are new updates for the deadline. Well, these are not really new. Um, but yeah, there's the deadline stunt race. Um, updates for them. Um, for all you people that do play the deadline and stunt races I sometimes play stunt races but not much uh, Jules do you play stunt races or anything like that in GJ? Uh sometimes yeah when I do um, play them it is fun and you sort of want to like keep playing them but like before I like start getting into it I don't know usually I just do other things first yeah like I find stunt they are fun. Yeah. Like stunt races and jobs and stuff, I usually do if I've got nothing to do. Especially with friends. If we are playing GDA and we both have nothing to do and we're bored, one of us will find a job. Like we will go into a Yeah, stunt like race. if you find the right job or the right stunt race, like a good stunt race then. Yeah. Like one of my favourites is sumo. Like, do you play sumo? I I love it. Do you know what it is? What? Wait, do you know what sumo is? Like sumo wrestling? No, 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 no. It's a game. It's one of the um, modes in GTA. So it's where it's basically sumo wrestling, but with cars. <laughs> it's with oh. cars, and yeah. one of them. Yeah, one of them is is. It's on top of the Maze Bank Tower, and um, uh, Matt four players max, and you gotta like battle it out, and whoever like falls off will like, the car will explode, and then yeah. Actually, has that been around for a while? Yeah, it has, but I'm just saying that's one of my yeah. favorites. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. 
haven't played it in ages though. Yeah, it's a good one. Um, yeah, I like to play that when I'm bored with my friends. Yeah, Even it's fun. Yeah, it's a good one. Um, now, so is there anything you want to say, Jules? Um, anything you want to talk about? Well, I guess that's um, we'll get back to this. So, um, the the podium vehicles. Oh yes, the podium vehicle. Um, do you remember what it's called? Uh, today we're recording this on Monday, the twenty first of June. Twenty first, yeah. Um, um, now the podium it? vehicle. Is it still the entity? Seth? Um, it should be. Wait, let me find it. Okay, yeah. Uh, the no, the over the over flood XF. Yeah. Yeah, that's so that, cool. yeah. That's actually a pretty good vehicle. When it came out, it was um like when it came out, it was like one of the first vehicles in the game. And at the time, obviously, it was like top two, three best in the game. But um, I guess now it's a bit crazy in terms of like um, performance and everything and how fast they are. But um, it's still still a good vehicle. Yeah. Oh, that one. Um. Now the op- I wanted to talk about the Oppressor. Mm. Um. This is a vehicle that I own and dislike. A lot of people love it. They use it all the time, but I hate it. Mm. I don't know. It. Uh, it's just like it's one of those boring vehicles. It's it's easy to get around the map and everything. It's got um, it's got uh, guns on there. You can upgrade and get missiles. Um, but I don't know. I don't think it's worth it for the money. If you're gonna get an oppressor, I would suggest getting Mark One because. It can also drive on land. It. I'm not sure if it has missiles. I'm not sure if you can get missiles on it. But yeah, it's a. I think it's a um, fun vehicle. If you're looking for vehicles that are fun but like easy to get around the map with, Mark One I think is a good one. Yeah, I guess the oppressor is a bit of a controversial one. Yeah, like especially the Mark Two. It can, I guess, it can sort of be fun, and it's a good transportation mechanism, I guess. But um, yeah, it's easy. You just don't when it's when it gets into like the hands of someone who just plays the game just to constantly grief. Yeah, and you're trying to do stuff. It just gets frustrating. Yeah, especially PlayStation lobbies. That sucks yeah. so much. Xbox, um, according to people, according to my friends, like some of them have switched from Xbox to PlayStation, and they've said like it is the worst. PlayStation mm-hmm. is so much worse than Xbox, which yeah, I can believe. Um, mm, yeah, um, so I guess I'd probably get the Mark One. Yeah, definitely. I reckon I get more enjoyment out of it. Um, now another vehicle, another vehicle that I want to talk about, the Vigilante and the Scramjet. Yeah. <laughs> the, these two vehicles, literally they're neck and neck with like features, well not features, but like mobility and like 
weapons and all that. They're they're both really good in their separate ways, but they're both like some people like the scramjet, some people love the vigilante, and yeah, I don't know. I personally prefer the vigilante because not just because I have the vigilante, but because I it's got like better armor. It's According to people, it's got a faster boost. I'm not sure if that's true, though. Um, but, yeah, it's got missiles. But the only downside to the Vigilante is that they're on the bottom. And when you, like, hit a ditch and you accidentally launch one, you blow yourself up. So I wish it was rocket-proof, the Vigilante. That would make it things... Yeah. Make things but is the Scramjet um, <laughs> rocket-proof? Yeah. No, the, the Scramjet's not. Yeah, the scramjet's not at all. Like, Either. yeah, well, the top, it doesn't really have much protection. Like, because it's got a jump and then it's got a boost. And if you like keep smashing it after like about five minutes, it no, not five minutes. After, actually, after three minutes, it's gonna start smoking up. And then, yeah, after five minutes, it's gonna start flaming up. So like, it's yep. it's one of those vehicles that's really good, but. It doesn't have much protection, so it easily is destroyed. The Vigilante is too, mm-hmm. when you've got a rocket, but it's still easily protected. You're still easily protected, like, from gunshots and stuff. So, yeah. Have you used a scramjet before? Because you don't have one. No. No, but I've used my friend's... The yeah, I've used my friend's scramjet. It's definitely fun, but it's, like... It, yeah, it just flames up easily. So if you keep hitting it, smashing it, you can destroy it pretty easily. And then, yeah, one time I was in the air and it, it like, it died while it was in the air. So because it was my friend's vehicle, I got kicked out of it. And so, and I didn't have a parachute. So I just fell right to the floor. And, yeah. yeah. So if you had the chance to decide whether to get the Vigilante or the Scramjet again, what would you choose? How? What's the price difference? Um, vigil, the Scramjet, I think, is around $4 million, And the Vigilante is about um, $3,500,000, I think. I think that's just um, a rough estimate, yeah, I'm pretty sure. I think the Scramjet's 4.6 and the Vigilante is 3.7. Oh, alright. So, I think, yes, $400,000 more for less protection. Well, wow, almost a million. Wait, no, but the Vigilante, you said it was 3.7 million. Mm. And then the, vi- the scramjet was 4.1 million. 4. 6. Oh, 4.6. Oh, okay. Yeah, almost a million. Yeah, so you're getting... According to a lot of people, the boost is faster. I'm not sure if that's real because I've tested it and it seems... The scramjet seems faster. But, yeah, and, like it's got worse protection and the rocket's on the bottom of the vigilante so you can easily die. Oh, it's hard. The scramjet's got a jump. You might you might think this is um, a bit biased, but I'd choose Vigilante. Yeah. Yeah, Vigilante. I don't think it's worth the extra million for the Scramjet. Hmm. Would you say the Scramjet's got a jump? Um, it... Wait, what, do you, what did you say? The scram- did you say the Scramjet can jump? Yeah, it's got, um... Okay. Yeah, it jumps. Let's yeah. sort of combine... The strengths of sort of the vigilante and the Mark II oppressor. 
in a way. Yeah. Like, which is... Which one would you choose? Prices aside. I'd choose the vigilante over the oppressor. Also, for the oppressor's brute, you have to stay still. Yeah, that, that's, that, that's yeah. such a gonna big be downside. Use it once when you take off, but that's it. Yeah. But then, the... Then, I'll choose the vigilante still. With... Wait... Okay, that's without prices involved, but now with prices involved, you still would go with the vigilante? Yeah. Yeah. Over scramjet and oppressor? Yeah. Well, yeah. over scramjet and oppressor. Yeah, well, the oppressor's, for me, the oppressor's easily out. How much is the oppressor? 3.95, I think. Yeah, well, it's 3.9, I think. Oh, I thought, it was, that. I thought it was 3 mil 950. Oh, more or less. Yeah, I don't know, but um, yeah, that's what I remember. But um, yeah. So, but now I'm in this tight situation where I'd get the vigilante over the scramjet and the oppressor. Yeah, but with the oppressor, now I'm in this tight situation where I hate it. I've, I want to get my money back, but I've got to buy the terabyte. And I also want to start making money at my nightclub, but I need a hanger for that. So i got to buy all these different things. Plus, I want to get the Costa car, that massive sub. So I've got to do five separate things to sell this one mis... Not, wasn't a mistake, but this one vehicle that I don't want. If if you um, buy the terabyte to sell the oppressor, I'm going to get like about two mil back. And what do you do with the terabyte? Exactly. I don't know what I do with it. How much does the terabyte cost? 1.25, I think. It's, yeah, 1.25 or 1.35. I checked it today. I don't know, maybe you just keep the oppressor and try to just burn as much money as you can out of its transportation benefits. Yeah, with the import and export, I'm trying to get as much money as I can so that when it leaves on Thursday, that's about, what, three days away, so 24th of June, when it um, goes, the, I'll have, like, a bunch of money and whatever I have, I'll see what I can get. And then, yeah, and plus um, I could wait a couple weeks, no, like about a week or something, for the one mil. Oh, yeah. And then I could get the Costa car if I don't get... I probably won't if I don't get up to 2 mil because the Costa is 2.2 million. Mm. So, yeah, um, I'm going to try and get as much money as I can now, see how much I've got once it ends, and then I'll see what I'm going to do. Yeah. Also, GTA has been rockstar. They've been giving out a bit of money lately, haven't they? Yeah. Like that one million you just mentioned. Yeah, that's but that's been around for a while though. They've been giving yeah, around, I don't know. they've been giving away a million each but, month. Each month, yeah. Yeah. And and um it's podium vehicles. And now this the vehicle cargo we mentioned earlier. Yeah, and uh, a couple of weeks ago they had um okay. if you did a, if you played a stunt race you got five hundred thousand. So, a lot of so, rewards got here. Yeah. But I guess they have to do that because it's been yeah. around for so eight years now, and yeah. they got to keep the game going. Yeah, I need some sort of bait to keep people playing. Yeah, and um, well, even like 
vehicles and all sort of um, items in the game are becoming like more and more um, expensive. Yeah. Um, like these $4 million scramjets and vigilantes and things that we've been talking about. Like, yeah, it's like maybe five, like four years ago, five years ago, like that sort of, that wouldn't have been heard of. Yeah. Well, now that it's all more expensive, they need to start putting in extra money and rewards, I guess, to get people engaged in the game. Motivated to play the game and buy these things and continue yeah. playing. Um, but, yeah, they've got to keep the game going, they've got to keep it fresh. Like, new people, like, when I, when I started GDA, I didn't know yeah. what to do. I was just, every day, it was a fun game. I loved it. Every day, I just went on. Yeah. Killed, like, I was just running away from cops and stuff until my friends told me, no, that's not what you do. There's, you got to do this, you got to do that. And then, all of a sudden, I started to get the hang of it. There's a lot and, more to it. Yeah. And then when you uh, start getting into all of that, then... You realise, like, you need to get more money and stuff, higher levels and things like that. But it's still fun like that, like how you used to be playing it, like just running away from cops and things. Yeah, like, plus, um, if you're someone who doesn't know how to manage money very well, um, this and you kind of get, like, thrown into a game where you have to know how to manage your money because you can't... Yeah. If you want money, you gotta buy businesses. You gotta start earning. You gotta start earning money. You can't just like get some money. And then once once yeah. they waste this, their um, money, they can't be bothered. Yeah. Um, playing and working for or like getting more, and um, <laughs> they just give up, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So you need to. You kind of get thrown into it a little bit. Um. Yeah, um, that's all I wanted to say. Uh, do you have anything else? Yeah, um, I don't know. Have you won a podium vehicle? Yeah. No. Uh, today Still. I got the clothing. Uh, today I really needed the I money. Great. Wait, you won three podium vehicles? Yeah, I won the one last week or two weeks ago. Oh, uh, I thought you meant... Oh, okay. No, I've, on the PlayStation I've won two. And oh. yeah... Did you won? You didn't win any. No, I, no. I thought you meant like. I thought you meant the podium vehicle. Now I thought you meant like. Have I won the podium vehicle? That's. Oh won. no. No, I haven't won that one. But I've won two podium vehicles. They're both yeah. pretty good. Well, actually, mm. yeah. Wait. Some of, yeah. No, I won. Sometimes they're. Good. I won three. I won the Bacardi. Yeah, I don't know what the hell that was. No, it wasn't. That's a pretty good one. I might suck us one thing up. Hmm. Um, I'm modifying it. I won yeah. three. You won three? Yeah, I just remembered the other one I won a couple mm. weeks ago. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, sometimes they're good. And sometimes they're shit. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. Sometimes they're good, sometimes they're shit. Yeah. Um, so it really depends. But... Uh, yep, that's all I wanted to talk about. Um, and one last thing. Yeah, sorry. What do you think about not being able to sell podium vehicles for money? Well, you can, but you can only sell it for like 20000 or something. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's pretty, I don't know. Well, I guess that's 
that like if they made it so that you could sell it for the actual price if you won like a like the night jar you'd be getting like millions not yeah. millions but a million or so dollars so yeah it's good that they've implemented yeah. that but it's also frustrating when you've got a vehicle that's expensive and you hate it <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah uh is that it that's it all right follow me on all my socials at idenverse um go check out my oh. merch go check out team verse at youtube twitch i think we have a twitch account now um <laughs> And, uh, yeah, go check out the Teamverse merch as well. It's in the same yeah. store. It's the Iden. I think I've changed the name. I think it's the Verse merch store now. So Teamverse, mm-hmm. Idenverse merch is all in the same store now. And, uh, yeah, go check us out on Instagram and stuff as well. Uh, and, yeah, hope you guys enjoyed this uh, episode and I'll see you guys in episode four. Bye-bye. <laughs> In your car, at work, at home, on your smartphone. Please be advised that this podcast is meant for educational and informational purposes only and is in no way a replacement for legal or medical advice. The opinions contained within are solely those of the interviewers and interviewees and should be received as so. Those seeking help or advice are encouraged to obtain professional legal and medical services.